five, <laughs> three, two, one. Your turn. We want to wait for. We can wait. Yeah. It's the wrong name plate though. No, this is my no. It's always been like that. Oh, it has. Yeah, so I know it's mine. <laughs> Douglas. There are third person. We just have all chairs and we have members. I don't know, I'm not remembering the other person. Hold okay, that's good. That makes sense. Okay, I can't remember. That third chair was throwing me off. All right, I'm good to go. Yeah, should I just kick it off? All right. Well, well welcome everybody to the um, the August edition of the Multimodal Transportation Commission's monthly meeting. We're going to start with our study session, and before we do that, we are going to go over the rules of the hybrid meetings. All right. All right. Thank you, uh, uh, Commissioner Kuzmiak. Good evening, everyone. I have a few housekeeping items for the hybrid meeting. The meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you're not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please your, turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. And when you are participating, please turn your video on. If you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. Uh, the city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And uh, I'll just turn the meeting back over to Chairperson Kuzmiak. Thank you. Um, I just realized as I'm reading over this um, that it says anyone attending needs to wear a mask. Are we sticking with that or what are the rules around masks these days? I have no idea. Um, they're, they're not required. Okay. That I'm aware of. Okay. Oh, something's changed. <laughs> well, it's in, the, it's in the text, but that doesn't mean that it, you know, it, it might just be an artifact of a past agenda. So, yeah, okay. it might be an old agenda. Sounds good. Okay. Go. Well, in that case, our study session for today is going to be the 2023 to 2027 CIP or Capital Improvement Plan and Budget Update. So, it's budget season, and City Commission has been talking over the various projects that are in the CIP for funding or deferral. And I believe, Dave, do you, do you have a prepared agenda item? Yeah, so I, I didn't prepare a presentation, but I can kind of maybe walk through some of the attachments um, to the agenda. So in July, on July 12th, city manager uh, provided the city commissioner recommended budget and capital improvement plan. Um, and um, that will be... Um, there was a public hearing with that. And I think that goes back to the city commission uh, for another public hearing and the last meeting in August, August uh, 23rd. Um, but anyway, um, you know, we've the boards had conversations about projects in the capital improvement plan. And I know last month 
uh, you discussed uh, getting a committee to review uh, projects or have a discussion on um, the process, I guess, maybe of the capital improvement plan. And um, so we, I guess, a little bit of just general background um, um, on, on the plan that started in the spring. So staff submits projects. Uh, really, we started with last year's plan, the 2022 to 2026 plan, and projects are in there in, in the outer years, and those kind of are the first um, projects that we look at when drafting the new five-year plan. And um, so staff threw a bunch of projects out there. Uh, there was a res We received resident request projects as well, so there's some ability for the public to request projects. And then the projects are scored um, with uh, the city's uh, <laughs> prioritization guidelines. Um, so I've a, a, attached um, a summary of those guidelines on uh, on the scoring and um, really kind of the scoring is trying to get in, in line with um, the uh, the out the uh, commitments in the strategic plan. And so um, the purpose of the scoring is just really to start start the conversation on the priorities of the community based off um, the strategic plan and and uh, kind of start comparing projects against each other. So there's all sorts of different types of projects in the in the capital improvement plan. And so it's a an attempt to uh, start evaluating those projects against each each other and prioritizing them. So our uh, for those that aren't familiar with the CIP projects, those are projects that are uh, over $100,000 that create a new a new city asset or uh, substantially improve an existing one. Um, and um, it's a, we do this every year. It's an annual process to develop a five-year capital improvement plan. And um, so that's a little bit of the background on, on that. And um, so after the projects were submitted, um, each um, commitment has a, a a team that evaluated those and scored them, scored the scored the projects, and um, the projects themselves on the uh, agenda. So if you click on the link, the five-year CIP uh, from July the twelfth, that link there. Um, and I'll see if I can just share my screen here as well. <clears throat> that is all of the projects um, that were listed in the scores with them and, and um, by different categories here. So let's see. That was me, sorry. <laughs> There you go. Great. Uh, okay. So what I've what I did just to maybe help help the group out a little as we talk about transportation related, related projects is to highlight highlight some of the projects that are uh, you know transportation related that are that are in the five year plan. So like I said, they're kind of organized by categories. The up top, you get airport, facilities, um, 
here this on the bottom half of the first page is the parks and amenities um, projects that's where we have uh, our Lawrence loop projects um, on the second page under roads and bridges are some of the uh, roadway reconstruction projects and uh, bike ped projects uh, projects at MSO um, uh, department has put in to the CIP and then we got some a couple traffic control projects uh, and vehicles and equipment category where you see the the transit buses on the third page um our third and fourth pages are projects that did not um uh, make make it into the uh, funded category so um the section evaluating for grant funding here and the on the final page the unfunded those are all projects that um did not score higher score high enough and were just ultimately not recommended for the five-year cip um, but certainly could be uh reviewed again in in future um uh, cip planning and so the, those projects don't necessarily go away um but could be considered in, in future years so it's not uncommon not totally uncommon for some projects to be unfunded for a couple of years and then you know ultimately they uh will move up into the funded category so this evaluating for grant funding is kind of a new uh delineation or category um uh, that i i think this that we created i think just to kind of um you know, look at some of these in here may have the possibility to, um, we might be able to apply for some grants um, that may be coming out. So um, we put put those in, in that category. So they're not, um, you know, they could be certainly moved up if, if we were able to get a grant. So um, so that's that. And I've also attached the project, this project uh, sheets for each project um, onto the agenda. And, um, you know, I, I guess with that, um, I'd be happy to maybe walk through these if, if you'd like me to, or if there's any questions, um, just let me know what, you, what you'd like to do. But um, we've got, uh, got it till six to talk about it. <laughs> Sounds good. So. Thank you for the explanation, especially for putting all the stuff together, because it wasn't easy to find otherwise. Like you, you kind of have to know exactly which city commission meeting they were talking about, what page it is, and then do all the dissecting of what's transportation, what's not. So definitely appreciate the background work to make it easier for us here. Uh, I'm going to just kind of start off by putting out a proposed kind of pathway that I think the study session could go. So feel free to offer your own interpretation. But based on what we talked about last time, so we voted on creating basically an ad hoc committee to kind of dig in deeper, kind of like we're doing here, and discuss as many of the projects that we could wrap our heads around and then generate a list of questions, comments, concerns that we would then send to Dave, um, which I should have done on Friday. So I, ideally that would have been into you and you would have had at least a little bit of time to look at it. So since that's the case, I'm trying to think of how we can best use our time. I, I don't necessarily want to be asking you technical questions the whole time because that could be better spent offline. But um, since since our group of three, so it's myself, Commissioner Baltuska, and Commissioner Shinaki are all kind of looking into this in detail. If anybody else is particularly interested in it, um, 
we could certainly have a discussion on stuff that stuck out to you and try to, I guess, you know, discuss it in real time if we, we would like to. But I think ultimately what's going to happen is that we're going to take um, the, the concerns of our small committee that are fairly detailed and technical and any other general concerns from the rest of the commission, send it on to Dave, try to get some you know, answers and then come up with the final position more or less. And then the deliverable that could be some kind of letter to the city commission or the city manager saying like, hey, we've had a look at all these. Here's what we think about it. I don't think it's necessarily going to change whatever outcome they may have already decided on, but I, I do think it'll at least allow us to become more familiar with what's in the future. That being said, um, did anybody have any kind of big big picture questions at the bat that they wanted to uh, to address based on what they're seeing in the list here? I just have a couple of questions having to do with what we're, what we're seeing here. Um, like for instance, on the unf unfunded, there's um, street maintenance program and it's unfunded. How did, how is that distinguished? I mean, I'm, street maintenance is funded, I, <laughs> I'm sure. So what is, what is that category? How do you, I guess I didn't, I could have looked, looked at the project sheets and that probably would have. Yeah, that's a difference, but. Yeah, great, great question. Um, so some projects, particularly street maintenance, it's, um, partially funded and partially unfunded. Okay. So um, speaking to street maintenance, um, here in the last year, we completed our um, review and modeling with asset management of the condition of all uh, city streets um, and ultimately determined through that process that uh, $14.8 million um, would be the target for us to um, achieve a pavement condition index of 70 across the city. Right now we're at a, from our last review a couple of years ago, we were at a 66. Um, so it's a slight improvement, but um, nonetheless, just as a benchmark, um, that's the the target. So in next year's, um, in, in the proposed um, plan, there was, um, no, where is it? 9.365 that was funded and and a portion that was unfunded, which I will, let's see here, 5.125 million. So um, that's, that is the case for that project. There are some projects that we've, at, um, you know, put in funded for design and maybe construction is unfunded um but that's that's not uncommon either so there might be some that are that that is the case and and i think there's a few in here that show up a, a couple times just because it was there's multiple funding sources and and there's some duplication of um of, of the same project in here i think uh the uh Well, I thought I had, I thought there was one. Lawrence Lute, Michigan, the Sanders Shaw's in there twice, both both underfunded, but it was two different funding sources. Yeah, I noticed that that one, the Lawrence Lute, Michigan, the Sanders Shaw um, under, was not, was not highlighted as yellow in that section, which is on page, uh, oh, sure. page one, I guess. So, so I was sure that was a question, I guess I had what, because the yellow means um, MSO, 
projects or what is the yellow highlighted yellow? Yeah, the yellow highlight are just projects that I highlighted that oh. I, I thought were applicable to this discussion. So I just kind of went through there and okay. yeah, I I didn't highlight it on this on the second time there, but okay. um, it, it, it is funded and we're actually working on design plans now. This is a project that was designed in 22 and this is these are the construction funds in 23. And I guess, I don't know whether this is the time to talk about, but the prioritization piece of it, I just looked at, you know, since the discussion about the the uh, Wakarusa extension was was such a big topic last time I pulled up that project sheet and then I, I was reading through the prioritization summary and when I looked at the, the rankings there, it didn't seem to match up with the score that's on this page. And I didn't look at other projects to see if that was if that was common and i just wondered if you know why that why that would be um yeah i'm not sure if that was changed or not uh, specifically i know that originally that project when it was submitted it was submitted a few years ago it was just the extension south of k10 mm -hmm. um, and through our discussions with kdot and uh in partnering on the South Lawrence Traffic Way Improvements. Um, it's been renamed to South Lawrence Traffic Way Improvements. So it wasn't scored based off of that. And the, the South Lawrence Traffic Way Improvements, um, that's the $7 million includes the Wakarusa extension, um, reconstructing Wakarusa north of K-10 to Clinton Parkway, that section that's in the city mm -hmm. um, there, and some improvements um, out uh, off of uh, um uh e900 road just west of uh um k10 at at, at a clinton parkway interchange um and upgrading that street to city standards so there's um three projects so um it, it, when it went through the scoring it wasn't um it didn't include all those projects and i don't know uh, you know, I just noticed that the you know the category strategic plan outcome alignment score was six when we look at the procedures it's zero to the scale is zero to three so that's what i didn't know how that how you know how to interpret that i guess so there's um there's some weighted weighting that goes into it too so that might be maybe that's it um and i might be able to pull that up here and explain that better that in the uh, procedures but Maybe I didn't read it all the way to the end. On page two. Yeah, we'll share my screen. Okay. Oh, yeah, I see that. Yep, thank you. Yeah, I think this is hopefully this ex explains the scoring a little. Um, so they're all, you know, these are scores zero to three, and then there's here's the weighting factor. Um, so if it had a three, it would be multiplied by two. Okay. Yeah. I see that weight in that's now. And and down below uh, further is kind of some of the. Um, 
factors, I guess, that go into the scoring or determining the scores of the zero to three, some guidelines. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Do you have any other general no. questions? I know you said you had a couple. Yeah, I don't. Have I have a question on on page ninety. The the line the cost for the multimodal transfer facility. Does that include the? I know there's going to be another location in town where there's going to be where bus people will be able to transfer. Does that include that cost of that project, or is that project a separate? Will be a separate uh, project. Um, let me see if I can pull up that page. So there's two different tr transit projects. There's the transfer facility that's in the middle of des that's undergoing design right now. Should be bit here by the end of the year um, at Bob Billings and Crestline, and then um, a downtown transfer facility. Um, that project um, has been it's on pause until the other one is kind of completed and the route redesigns done and then there will be a whole uh we're gonna um we're gonna start from scratch on community engagement looking at sites downtown um again and start start having a, a discussion on that and that hasn't started yet um uh, and maybe uh may not until next year but as far as the funding goes, I, I believe it's a separate, it should be a separate um, project. Um, what page were you on? Uh, page 90. Page 90. Just, I mean, uh, not the separate sheet, it's just on your line item. Of the... <clears throat> there we go. Nope. Well, it might be page three of 90 on the agenda packet. And I Where do I get the link to the entire packet? Top of the agenda. Top of the agenda. There we go. Best All I right. can tell, TR2101 is the multimodal transfer facility, and that's the only transfer facility in the five-year plan. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that the downtown one isn't in the plan at all. I guess it's because we just don't know how much it's going to cost yet. So that may be. Yeah, that might that might be. Because yeah. it's definitely broken out. I just don't know. Yeah, Adam Weigel would be much better. Better suited to speak to that, but I can uh, yeah. follow up with him on that. I did see in there that there's a project with the library that looks like creating event space and attractable bollards that maybe would come out of the street. That seems interesting. Wow. Are those the same projects? Same year. Okay. <laughs> Downtown event space near the library, PR 282414. Do you have a document that's searchable, by the way? Because I'm not able to search any of these things. Yeah, the city's document searchable. Okay. The 700 page one. Thanks. Library. There's a buffered bike lane 
Ninth Street, Illinois to Vermont Street. It's also in that list of evaluation for grant funding. Oops, mind you. The TR2101 is the objective on Bob Billings. <clears throat> so I guess um, maybe I'll just take a chance to speak to a couple of these, just FYI on some of these. So the Lawrence Loop Iowa crossing, that's something that um, we're looking at uh, having conversations with KDOT to see if we can include that in our project. Um, it wasn't something that we could include in our in our cost share for um, for the project. Um, however, um, we, there may be some opportunities with with grant fundings and new new opportunities with the bipartisan infrastructure law to uh, um, see if there's any funding that we could um, take advantage of the timing on that project. So um, so that's in there um, for um, some some funding for design in 23 and construction in 24. Um, and uh, that that's something that we're uh, looking into right now and, and having some conversations on. Um, Lawrence Loop, 8th to 7th Street, it's a short segment uh, the Lawrence Loop uh, gap that we have over there um, uh, between basically between the Santa Fe Depot and where the pol polar lofts are at. Um, so that's uh, in the proposed budget for construction next year. Um, the Caw River Commons project, that's um, the section, the phase A is the section of the loop. Um, between um, Santa Fe Depot and and uh, Constant Park, and so that's that was a a resident request. It's also down here below Lawrence Loop Trail and Street to Constant Park. Same project, um, so it's kind of duplicative, I guess. But uh, with this last revision of the CIP, some adjustments made to try to get things to balance out, but um, but that is planned for uh, doing design next year, at least some conceptual design, because I really think we need to do that before we go after grants on that project, which would be a great, a great project uh, for grants. So um, Lawrence Loop, Michigan, the Sandra Shaw uh, Trail, and that, again, that project's in design. Um, and then in in the out years here, we have Lawrence Loop Trail, Queens Road um, to Castle. So that's a, a large gap in the northwest section of the loop. Um, bicycle wayfinding signage. Um, I put this in here. It's probably just a placeholder. Uh, the $50,000 is to start uh, talking about design. And... 
standards, I guess, behind signage and and creating a, a plan and a hierarchy for signage. And then the two hundred thousand dollars was uh, just simply a placeholder um, to start uh, implementing signage, but um, certainly could be more than that, and that can be added to in, in future years. But I know we've had some conversations <coughs> about signage in our meetings here and incorporating those into projects. So um, as one of the things that was in our bikeway plan for an, an action item as the signage. So um, hopefully this starts making steps at, at uh, achieving that. With the funding that's demonstrated here for the Lawrence Loop, how much of the loop will be completed uh, by the 2027 20, fiscal year? Good question. Well, it looks like um, quite a bit of funding is dedicated to it. I, I, I'm curious if it gets it all the way done. Yeah. So we'll have the gap, I think, the Queen's Road to Castled. Um, it's proposed. Two million three hundred thousand would be the last gap. If we can get this section here around City Hall to connect to the Constant Park, and um, and uh, you know we're working on that section now uh, by the Turnpike that's under construction, and then we can get the Michigan Sandra Shaw. That would be that Queens Road would be the last one, I believe. So that would to answer your question. That would be that would be it. it. Unless that's I'm missing something. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Somebody else from the commission have any general questions or specific? That's fine too. You know, always pull those into our assessment on the committee. Yeah. And a couple, then I'll roll off. Dave, at one point, I thought there was a separate CIP for vehicles, like a fleet thing. So as glad as I am to see the electric street sweeper on the list, I thought there was a vehicle one separately. Is yeah. Hold up now. Yeah. Um, in prior years, we had, uh, we called it VERP uh, plan, uh, which included vehicles, and, and we had uh, maintenance plan. Um, and so those are, are not included in the CIP this year um and those are uh are in the operating budget okay yeah i saw a couple of other vehicle related ones in there like the charging station for electric vehicles and then there's something about uh replacing maintenance vehicles which i know doesn't have anything to do with us necessarily i'm just curious if there's a whole bunch of other vehicle stuff that is in a different budget somewhere um it's because yeah, it seems like that's under it says vehicles and equipment and there's the yeah. bus project electric bus project the, that's a street sweeper so are you talking about something and something else that's separate yeah like a different list entirely mm -hmm. so you know how like for example we have the nmppb that is kind of rolled up into here mm -hmm. um is that kind of the case now with the vehicles that it's there's like kind of its own thing and then it just slots in here anyway yes yeah they're it's separate from 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 this from this list okay interesting um i think the the two projects that stuck out to me the most and i don't want to get into huge details here and costs and timeline and everything um just kind of broad strokes there's one about um what appears to be a major like rehab or reconstruction of sixth street and then an another one that appears to be a big rehab of iowa street 
and oh, it looks like they're right next to each other. Mm -hmm. So it, it appears that there's a lot of money for Sixth Street Iowa to Mass in 2023, which to me indicates construction, but I don't know if that's just a huge design project or what. Um, so if you give any background on that, I think that would be interesting to kind of hear where those projects are at. Sure. Yeah, that Sixth Street project was um, in there last year. So we're doing design this year and that's uh, construction. So it's it's a major rehab project as far as the street goes. Um, mill and overlaid, patching, um, curb and gutter. We're also um, redoing the water line from oh uh, Michigan uh, to the west of Michigan, I believe. Um, and so we are uh, kind of on, on started working on design plans for that, uh, but it's more of a maintenance type project. It's not a reconstruction project. So how does that compare with say? East 9th Street, where it's still East 9th Street, but like the general layout of it is changing is is with 6th Street, was it maybe not as in poor of condition? So it's really just kind of replacing what's already there. Yeah, yeah, it, it's not in need of uh, full reconstruction. So um, it's a, one of our sections of state highway, and we've kind of deferred it for the last few years as we've tried to get um, state funding, the state as a, a program for um, uh, city-maintained highways. And um, so anyway, it's, yeah, it's not in the, in the same condition as some of our other arterial streets that need to be fully reconstructed. And, um, and uh, so that's why we just intend to do a mill and overlay, but uh, we'll also be doing some other things, some uh, repairing curb ramps where we need to and, um, Urban gutter, and um, I think we're also going to tie that project into the. Uh, we're redoing the this traffic signals here uh, at Sixth and uh, Tennessee and Mass Street. So that's uh, we're trying to take the corridor approach with that one, and and do the street signals and water line all together. So I'm trying to. <sighs> I guess, reconcile what I was kind of hoping would be going on with 6th Street with what actually is and where it stood in terms of the condition of the street and how that factors into how staff chooses, you know, how the project kind of goes down. Because it, it, in my mind, and I might be way off here, this seems kind of like a missed opportunity for building a more complete street. It's it's currently, you know, pretty heavily car dominated and there's there's room for buses, but it's not like there's, a, you know, slip lanes or anything. The bus stops are kind of in various states of repair and amenities biking is basically good luck on the street with your life or go on the tiny sidewalk which occasionally is directly up against the street depending on where you are so it, it seems like that there could have been an opportunity for as you said like a corridor plan to kind of get the whole thing up to some kind of good multimodal standard but i guess i'm wondering was the the condition of the street bad enough and it doesn't sound like this is the case to require like just charge ahead with something and just get it done because I can't wait. Um, I'm just, I guess I'm just wondering, did, did we miss an oppor opportunity here on MMTC to kind of get better than what we currently have, which is not great for anybody except for those in cars? Well, I would just say our approach is to, um, is, um, to do the lowest cost of ownership uh, maintenance work. And at this point, like we don't have a lot of base failures on the street. 
Um, we have a few that will probably need to be patched, but um, so it's more of a major maintenance project. Um, other um, sections, East 23rd Street, which is under construction now, that, that needed to be reconstructed. It was falling apart. Um, we've mill and overlaid it many times and done sunk a lot of money into patching and it just it's um we're money ahead by reconstructing it so mm-hmm. um you know that's a 10 plus million dollar project um and this project just the pavement on this project's probably uh, a million to a million and a half so um um so yeah it'd be nice to reconstruct a lot you know our arterial streets and and do new things but we're also trying to be cognizant of the budget and um and uh, so it may need it in the future just just not right now so um so as i recall the um was it in the non, non-motorized plan that wasn't there a reconstruction of the sidewalk on, on that section of from at least to michigan to iowa yeah, from Iowa to actually to Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Um, and then and then in our bikeway plan, um, the bike route goes up Wisconsin and uses Fifth Street, Fifth Street yeah. to go uh, to the east instead of Sixth Street. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're uh, going to be completing that that gap in the network with this project. Well, so that will all be done at the same time that you're doing the maintenance on the yes on the street. Yeah. And then um, you mentioned the Iowa Street reconstruction project. That's that is a reconstruction project, um, and um, so we have some funding for design the next couple of years, and then construction in twenty twenty five. Okay, so since this is a reconstruction instead of a well, I mean, is is that the same thing as a Sixth Street? Then or are they both kind of at the same class of reconstruction? Well, the reconstruction is more uh, uh, geared towards removing all the pavement, replacing it. Uh, most of our arterial streets we've done replaced with concrete. Uh, Sixth Street project system mill and overlay, just milling off the top two inches of asphalt and mm-hmm. going back with asphalt two inches of asphalt. Okay, so it's kind of a, a more, I guess, a more invasive surgery here then. For yeah, it's Iowa full, State. yep, full reconstruction. So it'd be similar to what we're doing on East. 23rd street and what we've done on Iowa to the North. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you say there is an opportunity for MMTC to weigh in for the concept design and maybe get more bike facilities in there or, or just even take a look at it and just kind of see what's there or due to the fact that it's a, I guess a U.S. number route or a state highway, are our options kind of limited by what KDOT would allow on sixth street. I guess on Sixth and Iowa because both those sections are U.S. Route 59, right? They, yeah, they they are. Um, well, we you know we we try to follow our bikeway plan and make um, you know we as part of our complete streets policy on these reconstruction projects. You know we evaluate the appropriate facility and make a recommendation, and um, so that would be um, something we certainly would do on Iowa street. We get a shared use path already on Iowa street. So I don't know if there's anything we would do different on that project. It's just a short segment in there. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, on sixth street or we're, we're making the improvement on the bike network there and further to the east, it's, it's not on our bike bike plan as a bike route. So, so we're not, um, mm-hmm. I guess what this is, 
making me think about is that we maybe need to get more involved in the bikeway plan because I don't know well enough to have been able to ahead of time. Like so, the bike plan calls for shared use path from Iowa to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. At that point, then you would go north from Sixth to Fifth Street, and then there would be a, a bike boulevard that would take you uh, further east, or just a more pleasant street in the meantime. But eventually, a bike boulevard. Yeah. Yep. It's a lower, you know, there's less traffic on 5th Street. So the idea is to try to keep people off 6th Street. Um, <laughs> I don't believe there's enough room for a shared use path all the way along 6th Street, which is why we yeah. so see it moving over to 5th. Not unless we did an actual road diet. And those seem to be political suicide for the most part. So I'd be pretty surprised if a road diet could actually go through because that's what you would probably need to remove some kind of lane to make space for a bike lane on, you know, where the right-of-way is right now. But yeah, it's interesting now looking at this bikeway plan as somebody who used to bike around that area like all the time, I kind of figured that out eventually, but it wasn't obvious. You just kind of have to know where to go. So I'm starting to see the, the appeal of these wayfinding signs because for somebody who's new to the area like you would just assume go to six that's where everybody else is going Mm -hmm. not a good idea so all right well that's helpful information at least i kind of know where we stand and why we are where we are so that makes sense okay anybody else have any other questions So Nick, could you explain again the subcommittee work and kind of how that's going to fold into this this discussion? Yeah. Kind of next steps. So we're definitely behind. Um, things got kind of sidetracked for a couple of weeks there. But what the plan is for, for us three to meet first, doing our homework and going over kind of line by line and seeing what kind of sticks out to us, what interesting things we saw that we maybe didn't anticipate in the CIP list. From there, um, meet up and once again, go through line by line, have a discussion about each, see if we have any overall questions or concerns that we can't answer by ourselves, then send that list to Dave, who will then either read it and answer or distribute to, you know, whoever else needs to see it. That's the stuff that we're currently on. So I need to get it out of my notes and into his email. From there, after we get um, answers back, then we'll have probably a follow-up meeting to go over that and see if we need to revise our original thoughts and then kind of make a unified statement from there that we would then bring back to MMTC. That being said, um, since this is going to be adopted sometime in late August, we're not going to have time to do that before, you know, city commission decides on it. So fortunately I kind of blew the timeline there. So I'm thinking, (laughs) well, you know, I mean, I don't know that you did actually, because, you know, we're kind of, wrestling with what that process could be and i my thought i guess is a question and is you know getting that out there and as as a kind of a unified statement is a great idea and i just wonder in future years if we could devise if there's a better point at which to provide that input you know so that we could then work backwards to where we would need to start and where we could insert those those kinds of comments i'm thinking probably like late spring honestly like before the city manager even brings the initial cip idea to city commission if we could have kind of 
a read on what could be going in there early on and maybe help provide our, our recommendations. Yeah. If that's, if that would be of interest to the city commission and the manager. Well, there's, as part of the process, it's, um, it was, I think in, in June when there was, uh, when it was first published the CIP and there was two different, uh, options. And so that was really the first, I guess, review of it. And then, um, there was a public hearing and then, um, yeah, I guess it was July 12th was the revised plan. And then the next step is the, um, uh, there's a public hearing on August the 23rd and then it gets adopted the first meeting in September. Um, so I don't know if, I guess back to the question on timing, if you were going to try to, if you wanted, if the board wanted to make a recommendation on something, I don't know if you have time to do that before. Is there, is there a point when it, because you mentioned in terms of the prioritization and coming out of a team with MSO on, on some of those specific projects, is there, is there a point at which before you submit it to the city manager that, that we could have an opportunity to look at what you're, what you're recommending to go into the plan or is that, is that a different, maybe I'm not understanding exactly what that process is. Yeah. Um, so in, in the spring that we kind of, we, we open the portal with all departments to, mm -hmm. to input projects. And so it's not just MSO, but parks in it. So I don't uh, know if I uh, see all of them myself. So I don't know, I guess I, I don't know if there's a, I don't see the foresee, see, foresee the ability to provide this board with that information if others um, aren't able to see it. Sure. Um, uh, but you know, most of the projects, for the most part, kind of roll over. So you see the five-year plan, and then we start working on the twenty-four to twenty-eight, or uh, yeah, twenty-eight plan next year, you'll see a lot of these same projects just kind of move, moved up. And mm -hmm. Sometimes those unfunded projects then kind of move their way up. Um, and, you know, priorities can change and the scores can change. And so things still have, uh, can move around and some, there could still certainly be something that comes up that wasn't on there uh, previously. Um, and and I so I think a majority of these projects, uh, quite honestly, were on there last year. Mm -hmm. I don't, um, you know, the Car River Commons was a new resident request, but it's still that section of the loop. Uh, they had three phases. They submitted phase B and C, which were completely new projects. Um, but as far as staff submissions um, go, um, the bicycle wayfinding signage was a new one. That one's funded. Um, Bollards on Mass Street, I think, are new. Or have they been in there for a few, a few years? Well, on the Mass Street uh, is a, uh, that's that's a new project. There was a couple Mass Street projects replaced the traffic signals, put in bollards, and we've kind of uh, tried to merge those into uh, Mass, Street uh, Mass Street Reconstruction, I think is what it's named. It's in the... Uh, I'm not seeing it.
Oh, there it is. It's under evaluating for grant funding, downtown mastery, reconstruction, streetscape improvements. Um, let me get back to my share screen. It's this one, uh, MS 250080. So that one was a new project. Um, and, and we, we've, I think we've adjusted some of the dollars we've seen uh, with inflation costs are going up. So we increased uh, the dollars on some projects. And so, you know, that has an effect too. And some things get shifted around with the, um, projected costs, but. Other than that, I don't think if there's any other new ones that weren't on there last year. But I guess, you know, if as we move ahead, if the board's interested in something that, you know, that's not in the CIP and maybe we have a discussion in the spring about what was on there the previous year. And, um, you know, we, we do have a process for resident requests that we go through, but if there's other projects that um, the board wants to uh, throw out there that should be considered, we can talk about that in the future, or maybe ways to um, bring it up earlier in the process. Yeah, I think that's why I proposed maybe doing spring because like you said, a lot of the projects just roll over. So for the most part, except for a couple of, you know, maybe later surprises and new additions, like what you saw last year is probably going to be on there this year as well. So I think we at least try to get a head start in the springtime. So in case we do get derailed for two or three weeks, like I did, then it should be fine. Um, so I'm thinking in terms of next steps, what would probably make sense to still be effective with this committee that we kind of pieced together. Um, I'm going to send questions and concerns to Dave. If any of you have specific things that you'd like to, um, I guess ask as well, if you could just forward those to me, I guess, and CC Dave, just so you know, so we have kind of a full list, although it might make sense to send to me first, because there's a chance we've already covered it in our meeting. Um, we went over pretty thoroughly. And then from there, Dave, if you could get those back within a week, that'd be fine, probably, because I don't think they have to, um, they're not going to public hearing till 823, it looks like. Yep. So. Yeah, anytime. If anyone that has any questions about any project, you can um, you can answer them. And then, and if you look on the that last link, I didn't pull it up, um, but there's a project sheet for each one that maybe has a little more description on the project. Um, that may help. That may help as well. Yeah, they've definitely helped on a couple of them. So I guess I propose to to finish this off. Then it'll probably take some kind of I guess letter to the city. Commission, does that make the most sense to everybody? Just a letter kind of penned by, by MMTC saying like, hey, here's what we're thinking about. You know, like it could either be, we support everything you're doing right now, or based on some concerns we have, we would we would love to see a reorganization of these or at least think about it for next year. I don't know. Um, what sounds like the most effective to the group?
I mean, do you think a letter makes sense? Or is it how much they can do, you think, by August 23rd? Because the, f- the final vote you said is in September, right? Yeah, the, the final uh, hearing resolution to pass the budget in September. But that's for the whole budget, which includes also like the maintenance and the operating budget and all that kind of and stuff, CIP, right? Yeah. Yeah. So is the CIP finalized then on the 23rd? Yes. After that meeting, it will be. Okay. So I, I don't expect that we can really do much to change the course or even if we want to. I mean, after we, after we get more, more, I guess, feedback on questions, it, it could be that like, yeah, yeah, we approve. That's fine. Um, but it'd be nice to know that, I guess. Um, in terms of getting a letter, I would probably have to have authorization from the commission to write said letter. Is that something that we want to do a motion on or do we not feel strongly enough that we need to have influence here? I'm kind of okay either way. Can you help me understand what the letter would say? It would probably be a bullet point list of, you know, first a brief introduction of, hey, you know, based on this recent discussion around the Walker Roost extension, which kind of caught some of us off guard, we decided that MMTC needed to have a deeper look into the CIP and see if there was any other projects that we felt that we should know about early on. Here are our findings. And it would probably be only the very high points and only the most important ones of projects that we feel like either aren't funded but should be, are funded but shouldn't be, um, or are prioritized in a way that doesn't necessarily make sense. So. It would only be, I think, general concerns if it's not otherwise a blanket support. And it could be that, right? Like we in general support everything here, except for point A, point B, and point C. If there are point A, point A, you know, it's kind of hypothetical at this point because we just don't know. So you're not proposing that we object to anything that's in the CIP? Not at this point, not until I get clarification from Dave on the questions that we've raised. Okay. Because I don't want to prematurely jump to to conclusions if I don't really know what the full story is. But there there could be. I mean, for example, I think if we had known about the Walker's extension, we probably would have objected on that one, right? At least least I would have. So, um, yeah, I guess it's one of those things where if there is something that's years out that we're seeing could be not fully aligned to what we think the strategic direction is, it'd be good to bring it up now instead of in two or three years. So are you saying that the the that probably we wouldn't object to the Wakarusa extension or how do we reflect the public comment that came? I mean, I know the city commission is getting it also, but you know, how do we reflect that? I think the only way I would really incorporate the, that into the slider is say, you know, this, this caught us by surprise and it shouldn't have. And this is why we're looking into this now. Um, you know, basically, if we had known three to five years ago that the, this was in the works based on what we know about Horizon 2040 or Plan 2040, we probably wouldn't have, have supported it. Um, not much we can do at this point, it seems. But, you know, here are the here are the projects coming down the pipeline that you guys should probably know about. So I know it's kind of ambiguous at this point because you would be, I'm asking you to vote whether or not you support a letter that we don't yet know the content of. (laughs) Um, 
So I guess I just propose sending a draft first so that everyone can, I guess, give it a look over. I would sure love to, but I don't know with Coma if we can have a vote over um, over email, right? I don't know how we would do it given, can't do it, right? Uh, I, w I don't think we can. Um, I mean, unless unless the board had some general direction on what would be in the letter. Um, but at this point, I'm not, I'm not really hearing so any opposition. I feel like we're on the right path. Timing is not good. <laughs> so I would be really comfortable with like taking this as a lesson learned and thinking about how we are how we approach next year's CIP. Sounds like there's some good thought already in how we would be more engaged and we would then expect ourselves to generate some feedback that we could provide to the commission mm -hmm. regarding kind of how we understand what's been proposed by the city manager. And so what's really useful here is when you go through and you identify across all the different departments, those CIP items that do impact transportation, it you recognize like there's a whole lot of commitment the city commission is being asked to make. Mm -hmm. And an analysis of that could be really helpful for them. Um, also looking at those out years could be something that they'd really appreciate because they are probably focused a lot on that, you know, next year and year after. And so I think that analysis could be really helpful. Um, it needs to be done in a, like a, you know, not a very, uh, it shouldn't be done too quickly. And it'd be helpful if we could see the analysis early enough that, you know, the whole multimodal transportation commission could weigh in on it as a, as a letter is being drafted. Yeah. Um, and, and discuss each of those bullet points to have a unified approach, I guess. Right. Yeah. Cause we may not agree on all of them. Now, another thing that I think this analysis can do for us this year is help us to think about what are topics for our study sessions. What are things that we can see are being thought through by other departments, not just MSO. And how do we get engaged in that work? Mm -hmm. You know, if bicycle wayfinding is, if that's going to be funded, and I see it looks like it's a, doesn't have MS in front of it. So I think that means it's coming out of another department like Parks and Rec. I'm not sure I'm reading all that right. That's um, right. Just the codes that are used. So like, where is the role of the Multimodal Transportation Commission in that work? And it may not be seen by staff as our work, but we might see it as our work. So how do we begin the process to get engaged, at least in understanding what's going on? Maybe that's simply through a study session where Parks and Rec would come to us and update us on where they're going with that, that planning. Or maybe it's the MPO. I don't know where exactly that works emanating. If it's coming out of MSO, then I guess we're good to go. <laughs> on this wayfinding? Yeah. Yeah, it would, that would come before this group. So those are like in there. I don't know if it's what letters it got, but... Right. Yeah, so sometimes you ignore the letters, but... <laughs> I mean, that's where I think we just, this gives us a more expansive understanding of how the city is investing in transportation related projects. Yeah. And that could help us identify 
agenda topics um, and maybe areas where we need to be more assertive about our interest in that area in that project. Yes, I agree. So that can happen now. Mm-hmm. Um, It'll still serve us well for the rest of 2023. Correct. So I do think how we could maybe salvage this, given that I blew the schedule, I could at least send out the the resolutions to what Dave answered on our questions and concerns, and everybody can at least now know about it. I'll just say, don't reply. Here it is. It's just a news item. And then if you wish to comment as an individual to the city commission meeting, then feel free to do so. I may, depending on what the answers are. Um, I won't be speaking for the entire commission, though, because there may be items that we disagree on. So if if that's a reasonable kind of compromise, we can just go with that and just, you know. I mean, they'll probably be lost among the deluge of things about the Prairie Park Nature Center, but you never know. Some might make it through, right? <laughs> so um, anyway. That sounds like a decent approach to me. Does anybody have any um, comments, questions on that one? Or think that's probably good at this at this point? Okay. Um, I see Michael Allman has his hand raised, so I figure we can do a quick public comment before we uh, recess. Michael, are you there? Yes, I am here. Thank you. Um, and you run it down to the wire. I really do want to take my full three minutes if I can. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, as far as the Wakarusa extension goes, it doesn't really need to be in the form of a letter to the city commission at this point. The city commission has already backed out of that. Uh, what you could do at this point about that is if you refer to the project detail sheet, which is page eight, it has a description of the project for the West Leg expansion, but then the justification box just below that has it for the bridge uh, uh, cooperating with the county maintenance. So it actually still is in the CIP in that justification description. What you could do, and you have the authority to do this, is instruct staff to revise that so it does not say it extends to the Walker to 458 and the bridge. Uh, so that's one thing that you really can do right now. Um, the other thing I want to talk about. Um, the um, oh the sixth street rebuild for two million one hundred thousand in twenty twenty three. I totally support Chair Kuzmiak's suggestion that you have a session with the city engineer to look over that and redesign it. So it's not just a repaving, but it reconfigures the street for better multimodal. Just because East Twenty Third Street is is being redesigned with multimodal because it was falling apart. Doesn't mean falling apart is the only reason that you redesign a street. You might want to redesign 6th Street, and I encourage what Commissioner Kuzmiak said, to get better multimodal. Somebody who is bicycling and they're shunted up to 5th Street to get around 6th Street, that's fine if they're risk averse, and most people are, but that does absolutely nothing for somebody who has a destination on 6th Street. They need a safe way to bicycle all along 6th Street to the banks, the fast food restaurants, whatever's there that they wanna go to. So I really encourage you to work with the city engineer to have a session and look at reconfiguring it. I mean, if nothing else, the center turn lane right now is 14 feet wide. I mean, you could get a couple, three feet right there if you need it, but just, yeah, just look at the whole thing. And then final um, comment, 
the electric street sweeper MS25-5000, it's highlighted in here, but what is not highlighted is RR230002, which is, um, oh no, that's the sweeper. Um, 25,000, that's the electric vehicle infrastructure. Uh, that's the first page. Um, About halfway down. Anyway, yeah. So that is definitely as much transportation infrastructure as the multimodal transfer facility. It's enabling transportation with the facility as charging stations is what that means. And it's funded. So that's something to really celebrate because Lawrence is definitely on track to electrify uh, for all kinds of reasons, uh, financial if nothing else. So those are my comments and thank you for the time. I went a little bit over. That's okay. Thank you, Michael. Okay. Um, that does bring up a point, I guess, um, with the Walker Roos extension. Um, Dave, did you catch what sheet that was on? Because I, I didn't quite hear exactly where Michael was. Page 14. Of which attached of our agenda. Of the 91. Document. Okay. So, the project sheets? Yes. Okay, there we go. Sorry, I'm struggling to get here. No, I must be on the wrong one. Sorry. MMTC agenda packet. Okay, the actual agenda packet. There's a lot of it versions. up here on my screen on the screen. Okay, thanks. Seriously here. Okay, so this project sheet is for just SLT improvements in general. Okay. And it includes the extension of Wakarusa as number one. I guess I haven't been following city commission closely enough to know what Michael means by backing out. Um, did the city commission defer this or something? How did, do you know what the status is right now? I'm unaware of any action that's occurred on, on this. Um, yeah, me too. Basically the, structure of this was um for our local cost share we uh we're gonna put put up seven million dollars and so it it we could still provide kdot the funding and not participate in that actual project if the commission so desired yeah uh, <laughs> but we're still in the hook for the funding correct yeah okay. um so, but yeah, the that the total amount here includes the, those three improvements there in the description. Those are estimated costs that got to the seven million. Thoughts? When you mentioned the thirty third and Iowa bicycle crossing as a possible K dot thing, I I don't know if I heard you wrong. Did you say something about that possibly be one of the being one of the funding match projects for this thing or just entirely different pot of money? Yeah, it's not it's not uh possible out of this pot of money. Already asked that question. Um okay. but yeah, just if there's any other opportunities or cost share uh or other other programs that that we can get it done with the SLT improvements, it would be 
the right time to do it would be with that with that project so okay um like construction timing wise i guess just because the interchange would be reconstructed anyway so okay. correct yeah they're working on design plans and uh right now so um does anyone else find it odd that the that kdot was totally cool with approving an extension a couple of miles to the south of their highway but not an additional bike access road literally at the intersection of the highway where intersection improvements are happening it seems odd to me but i don't know if i just don't understand their priorities i mean we've talked to their bike pet people before and they seem pretty pretty with it but that seems like a really odd choice to say no to the bike bridge or i guess the bike and pedestrian bridge but yes to something that doesn't have any effect on them at all well, the, the, the conversation uh, included that KDOT closed access at Castled. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that really, when that happened in 2018, 2017, that's when the city and the county originally put the project in the CIP. We both put it in our CIPs to start planning ahead to say, you know, you know, when the time comes and this maybe moves forward to construction, it would be the right time to to extend that road. And, you know, there was a lot of, a lot, a lot of opposition to closing access at, at uh, Castle, and so the back then that that's what we pointed to that Wakarusa was in our long range plan to extend at some point, um, and that kind of helped justify, uh, you know, closing Castle was that you know there would be this future connection. So okay. um, that was really the the um, you know what KDOT saw we you know, proposed to include because, you know, the, the city cost share dollars are going to city and county infrastructure and not, you know, to pavement on K-10. So um, that's, uh, that's, you know, the conversation we had with them. And that's the, you know, I guess the justification or the rationale for them to include it. So <clears throat> yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right. So it sounds like given the timing and the fact that the budget's going to be approved before we have our next meeting, maybe, maybe not. Right. Then we need to decide if this is something that we feel strongly enough about that we want to actually pen a recommendation from MMTC to city commission to exclude this from the budget, I guess. So it'd be a recommendation to provide the funds, but go without building the road basically. Right. So I know we're kind of at a time and this is kind of unorthodox, but because I feel like Michael has information, would anybody be, be opposed to letting him have maybe a one minute uh, rebuttal or clarification? If it helps, I think it'll be a relatively short, regular agenda tonight. So are you okay with that? Yeah, I'd like to hear All right. Michael, if you can keep it to like one or two minutes, I'd like to hear uh, your thoughts. Even, even less. What the city commission did on the 21st of June when they received the first CIP, Commission uh, Vice Mayor Larson was very strong in saying she does not want to fund the Wakarusa extension in the bridge. It's outside the city limits and it potentially could push urban sprawl. The mayor agreed with that. And Commissioner Finkeldye, what he said was, well, we need to keep the $7 million in there, but we will. We just won't say it's a cost share at this point. So if you look at the line item, uh, MS220029, it doesn't say Wakarusa extension anymore. 
it says SLT improvements. So that's what the city commission did. Thank you. Okay. That seems to track. Yeah. So now it just says SLT traffic way improvements. And originally it said. Well, the walk, the, the walk roofs extension was previous years. That's what it was. And after okay. the spring and our discussions with KDOT, it, that project was revised and it was revised prior to the city commission meeting because it included more than just the walk roost extension to the south. Right. It was also the farmer's turnpike in the 31st, 33rd street, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Dave's saying is the staff actually revised the name. That wasn't yeah. the commission that did that. Okay. Yeah. And there was some discussion at that, at that meeting about whether it's in the, the roads in the city or the county and it's, you know, walk roost extended on the county, city, county line. Right. So it could be shifted over. It likely will be shifted over into the county portion to, you know, if it was being built, because that's uh, better for crossing the river. But, um, um, yeah. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> I guess in that case, the question is, do we want to pen a letter siding with commissioners Larson and Shipley, I guess, mayor and vice mayor? Um, with their with their desire to remove that part of the CIP project, do we comment individually or do we leave it be? I think those are kind of our three options here. Are you proposing we put that on our meeting agenda? In our we're still in the study session right now. We can't take that action. I guess we could. Is it possible to add something to the agenda at the last minute? We've never done that before that I'm aware of. You can put something on there. Okay. Yep. Would you guys mind doing that? So we can have a break and then start at a reasonable around the normal time. Maybe a fairly quick discussion, hopefully. Okay. Well, in that case, um, I guess we'll cover that when we get to the actual agenda and I know where to do that. Is due under commission items. Okay, that sounds good. All right, that sounds good to me. Any any dissent, I guess, or can we just like, save that for commission items? Cool. Okay. In that case, let's uh, call this meeting to a close. Thanks everybody for the discussion. Thanks Dave for the action that, or the answers and the prep work. Um, should we reconvene at uh, six twenty-five? Too late. Sure. That works. All right, six twenty-five. It is. See you in a bit. Our regularly scheduled agenda um, for the August MOTC meeting. And since I forgot to do this last time, we're going to start by calling roll. Here. 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 Okay, thank you. And since we did the, I guess the preamble on the study session, we should be good for there. So we'll just move into our into our agenda. So first is approve minutes from the July meeting. Does anybody have any uh, revisions, concerns, questions, anything? Okay, well in that case, I would entertain a motion to approve the July 6 minutes. Make a motion to approve the July 6th uh, minutes for MMTC. Okay. Commissioner Collette has made a first pass, a second. 
I'll second. And Commissioner Beltuska has the second. Yes. 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 Okay. Thank you. Our next section is general public comment. So I'll just read the blurb so anybody who's intending to make a public a public comment is aware of what the rules are. The public is allowed to speak to any items or issues that are not scheduled on the regular agenda. Public comment will not be received for staff items, commission items, or calendar. Each person or organization will be limited to three minutes. As a general practice, the commission will not discuss nor debate these items, nor will the commission make decisions on items presented at this time. Individuals are asked to come to the microphone, um, or I guess call on over the phone, sign in, state their name and address, and speakers should address all comments to the commission. Since there's nobody in the room, we'll go to online. Does anybody online have any general public comment? It's not looking like it. Okay. In that case, we're moving on to agenda item D. I'm going to start with part one, receive background on the shared scooter pilot program and provide feedback. All right. Um, so um, as some of you remember from a couple of years ago that were around, we uh, um, started looking into uh, electric scooters. Um, a couple of things, we were looking into regulations um, on those that we uh, eventually adopted uh, by city ordinance, city ordinance for um, operation of uh, electric uh, assisted scooters in the city of Lawrence. Uh, and we also had a conversation on um, uh, starting a, uh, a pilot program, which was uh, to be a six month pilot program for a vendor to operate uh, a shared scooter uh, program uh, in the city of Lawrence. And um, so there was uh, this uh, board had a, a committee, the micromobility committee that worked with staff to, to uh, <clears throat> kind of outline a few um, things that we were looking for in, in an RFQ. Um, we went through that process uh, end of 2019 and early 2020 the RFQ process to receive applications and worked with KU to evaluate them. And um, ultimately we were um, getting ready to proceed with BIRD um, with that pilot program. And then uh, COVID-19 hit and uh, people uh, stopped sharing things. <laughs> and so we kind of put it on hold. Um, and really it's been on, uh, you know, it's been on hold since then. And I know that Bird has reached out uh, several times um, here, and they have recently uh, attended a meeting and spoke and uh, asked to restart the conversation um, on a shared scooter pilot program. And so that's kind of why we're uh, talking about it here tonight. So I wanted to give uh, particularly the, those new board members a, a little bit of, of a background on the process that we had gone through um, a couple of years ago and um, maybe have a conversation on uh, what we need to do if, if we need to, uh, if we want to move forward uh, with 
with this. So, um, you know, since we've uh, kind of left it at the at beginning of 2020, we haven't, you know, staff hasn't um, looked into it at all anymore as far as pursuing it. Um, it's just, you know, based off the things that we've been working on, it hasn't been a priority. Um, we haven't done any community engagement the past couple of years. We did meet with uh, downtown Lawrence businesses um, back back then, but we haven't, you know, renewed any of those conversations. There were some some concerns back then about uh, operation and parking and speeds and time and um, those sorts of things downtown. And those were things that we were still kind of outstanding back then um, that would have uh, we intended to work through with within an within a, an agreement with the vendor. Um, as well as KU. So KU hasn't been pushing uh, for for the program either, um, but they indicated they would be a partner if the city wanted to pursue it in the future. So they were in the conversations a couple of years ago. Um, so, you know, like I mentioned, we haven't really uh, kept up with, you know, changes in the industry and, and certainly things may have changed since we looked at it last. So, um, we had some conversations a couple of years ago about sustainability and how long the scooters uh, would last and if they're if they're really sustainable or not. Um, so those were conversations that we had. Um, and, um, you know, back then we were also looking at, uh, you know, how, how does that tie into the bike share program that we had? So VO Ride was our bike share operator uh, that we had and they were also one of the vendors interested um, in the electric scooters and, and they ended up uh, discontinuing the bike share program um, right when COVID hit. But um, um, so anyway, that was, it was just a little different time. And so we were, you know, back then trying to look at, uh, you know, kind of tying into that program and, and how this program may, may work in the future. Um, so so that's kind of really just a general background of uh you know the process we went through i i attached um to the agenda um some of the previous reports and uh in the links there to um agenda items that we had in the past and just as a additional background if if for those that were interested in um i attached the the rfq that we had drafted um, back in 2019 uh, for the program. And, um, you know, uh, I guess, you know, going forward, um, you know, I think uh, in, in my opinion, if, if we're going to uh, pursue this and if it is a priority, you know, I think we will need to determine if it is a community priority uh, or not. You know, I, I haven't, I'm not hearing from anyone in the public saying where are the shared scooters. Um, so I think that needs to be a conversation that we need to have if we're uh, thinking about moving forward is, you know, or, you know, is there uh, a benefit and does it meet, um, you know, does it meet uh, some of the outcomes in our strategic plan? Um, and so I've, obviously I see them in other communities. Um, so I, I know they're, they're out there and um, certainly could be some positive things uh, for them. But, um, you know, that's something that I think that we would need to do if we were 
uh, serious about moving forward. And so, um, and like I said, we've been kind of put it on the back burner with all the other work that, that we've got going on. And um, so I um, would have some concerns about uh, just our staff capacity to take it on right at this time. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it would necessarily be, uh, um, I'm not sure who would own it within the city, but, you know, across the city, we've got a lot of initiatives going on um, and a lot of work going on. And so, um, you know, right now it's just not a high priority for us, but it certainly could be in the future. Um, and yeah, so that's a little bit of the background. And, um, I know, um, um, Mike, uh, with bird is here and one wants to say a few things and, um, that's really all I have. And I'll stand for any questions that any of you have. All right. Um, I'm thinking it might make sense to turn it over to Mike at this point, just to kind of, I guess, add if there's any additional questions. Um, Mike, do you think it'd be possible to keep it to maybe 10 minutes or so? Yeah, I, I, it, it could be even even less. And, and I think opening it up to a Q&A is, is certainly okay. And for those who don't know me, my name is, is Mike Butler. I, I head up many of our city programs and government partnerships that we have, um, you know, specifically in, in this region. So, um, you know, as, as David had mentioned, there was an RFQ that went out a couple of years ago after the committee had had reviewed that ultimately they decided that we were the business that was best supposed to provide that service to both KU and, and the Lawrence community um, uh, of course COVID got in the way of that but um, our our enthusiasm and our, our optimism of you know to, to bring the service to Lawrence that that remains true um, you know I think there's a lot of um, you know there can be a lot of local support out there that we've actually received we've even um, received support from uh, the SGA at, at KU that even sent Dave uh, Cronin a, a letter of support talking about how they were supportive of bringing this um, this business to to their campus and the community and and um, you know advocating for this so there certainly is um, I, you know, I would say, you know, interest in this, I can certainly appreciate the fact that you're probably not receiving dozens of letters every day saying, hey, where, where are the scooters? I think you'd probably be the first city in the world where that was the case. Um, but what I can say is that there are cities out there that haven't received any type of, you know, initial support for this, but after evaluation decided that this was something they wanted to move forward because uh, of the many benefits that this can bring. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's that's really all we wanted to say was to you know talk about you know how optimistic we are about this and how enthusiastic we are to bring in the service to to the community. Um, and I'm I'm happy to answer any and all questions or, or address any comments that, that the commission might have. Okay, thank you, Mike. Let's uh, bring it to the commission for now for any I guess initial technical questions, and then once we get those out of the way, we'll go to the public for any public comment. So anybody up here have any initial thoughts, questions, concerns? Yeah, what I see it was addressed during the original look through. Um, what are you going to do about the fact that city code right now doesn't allow for scooters on the sidewalks downtown? Well, that was something that we... Big deal. Yeah, it's something we talked about um, and that they would need to be in the street downtown just like a bicycle would okay. be. Yeah. So generally... Speaking, the the same regulations that apply to bicycles apply to, to the uh, electric assisted scooters. Okay, it looks like there wasn't any way to like 
no code compliance or anything. That was something that needed to be worked out compliance because you know people on scooters are going to be on the sidewalks. There, there is some ability to do some geofencing in some areas to keep them out of areas, but I don't know if it's evolved to the specificity of keeping them off of the sidewalk that's adjacent to a street. But um, yeah, those are things that we had talked about, you know, in the past. And, um, you know, that's, I think that's the side, you know, there, there certainly is, uh, it would be run by, you know, the, the vendor would be responsible for it and, and, and running the program, but there's, um, you know, certainly some, some staff time in responding to things like enforcement. If someone, is on a sidewalk downtown um, uh, that we would have some concerns about, but um, yeah, it's a good question. One of the questions I have, I guess, at the time that this was considered, we had a bike share program and, you know, if we were to relaunch this kind of investigation and community engagement, would we limit it to discussion of scooters or a combination of scooters and Bike share. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it could certainly be both if there's a way to time together. It's like yeah, engaging the community as well as you know KU and I, you know I know that there was a, a micro mobility committee. Was that just made up of members of this commission and then outreach to KU and and. Uh, uh, downtown or how was how was that structured as far as the community engagement because that was before I came on yeah well, I can describe it a little bit so the committee was myself Steve Evans I want to say Carol was on it who was the third Charlie was I was on it okay okay and um probably a fourth because Steve was just there as the chair at the time but probably Carol so um at the time we were basically working with Dave and one of the uh, city attorneys and Derek Rogers from Parks and Rec, and I want to say Jenny O'Brien was on the committee as well from the staff side, and Jessica Mortinger of MPO was also involved. So there's pretty good staff involvement. I don't specifically recall how community engagement happened. I know that we spoke with sort of, I wouldn't even really call them stakeholders. Um, you know, for example, we had kind of an interview with, was it Omaha, do you remember? Um, about how their implementation of scooters went down and kind of gathered intel that way. But I, I don't recall how public engagement happened or if it did. Um, we didn't have a, a thorough engagement process for it. Um, we, our staff multimodal transportation team, we had some conversations and, um, and the same things that we talked about with the, with the micro mobility committee of the transportation commission. Um, but um, we had a meeting with uh, downtown Lawrence business owners um, and um that was that was about the extent and we had discussions here and then um, ku how was how was ku involved i remember somebody from the student senate came and spoke in favor of them and I that's all i recall yeah i believe so and they they uh were in, they were involved in reviewing the proposals so they were on the team that reviewed the proposals and scored them and at the time donna holtine uh, who was the ku parking and transit Manager, I think that was her title, was mm -hmm. actively on MMTC. So she was at least aware of what was oh, going on. Okay. So, yeah. But I don't think there was ever like a committee to committee kind of mm -mm. No. engagement session. Yeah, we had, you know, KU had started the 
bike share program and the city had kind of tagged on to that with an agreement and it would have been you know kind of the same thing for this that we would have probably initiated the agreement and KU would have been included in it or tied on to it so um but yeah we didn't have any other any other meetings i guess or public hearings on whether or not we should have the scooters or not there was just you know th there was interest back then when they were starting to come out um and since it was a pilot I, you know that could have happened after the after the pilot so people had more inform information as well but okay are there any other kind of general or technical questions from up here before we see if there's any members of the public who are going to comment i've got a quick one so for that ku bike share program did you say that was discontinued as a result of covid19 or was that just like a coincidence <laughs> that stopped at about the same time yeah um it i don't know if it was a coincidence or not but the vendor who was VO Ride mm -hmm. chose to stop the program and they had uh, uh, scrapped the bikes. And it was, we didn't know that we we're going to do that before and mm -hmm. basically uh, took them all down to the landfill or the recycling uh, facility and, and piled them up. So they kind of ended that, the vendor ended it on their own. We didn't, weren't aware of them going to do that, but it, it happened at the right. Mm -hmm. as covid was that spring of 2020 is when that happened um and that really just kind of ended ended that mm -hmm. you know um they had they had some electric assisted bikes that they had introduced maybe a year or two before um but the majority of them were just pedal normal pedal bikes and it wasn't profitable enough for them i guess to continue the program and that's the history. <laughs> yeah. Was it deemed a success while it was running? I remember seeing a lot of them around and not feeling like it was a great look, but I appreciate the purpose. I mean, I guess it depends on what your definition of success is. Did VO Ride make money? It sounds like towards the end, possibly not. Um, did it get people out of their cars and on the bikes? Presumably. Did it clog up sidewalks? Yes. So there's kind of a, depends on which metric you're looking at as to whether it was a success or not. Um, I'd be curious to know if that VRide program took up a lot of KU staff time because I assume that they were administering it, right? So I would wonder, like, what kind of a lift was that for them? Or did they really just kind of you know, wild west it? Um, and maybe yeah, I don't know about KU, way. but we had, we received complaints when sidewalks, when bikes were walking sidewalks and also you just kind of discarded on the side of the side of the street sometimes too you know. so yeah. yeah nick if i wouldn't mind adding something I, I would say that the and i can't speak on behalf of, of vo that's obviously not our business and we run different operations and different technology but what i can say is that the technology of both the vehicles and also on, on the software side that when it comes to parking management is astronomically different than probably what you had seen in, in let's say 2018 
Um, the industry has had so much maturity over those years. I mean, even at the time that we had initiated these conversations with Lawrence, you know, we were probably live in a couple different cities in the U.S., and that was pretty much it. Um, today, we're live in about 400 cities, so that's hundreds of millions of rides that people have taken, which are learning points. Hundreds and hundreds of cities that we've interacted with and received a lot of feedback, and then taken that feedback and built into the product and built it into safer vehicles. So again, I think. There's been a lot of maturity over that time, which is why we're even more bullish on something like this. And I would assume that you probably wouldn't see the same type of, um, uh, you know, maybe negative things that you had heard just because a lot of those things have been ironed out over the last couple of years. Thank you, Mike. I think I'm probably going to have a couple of questions kind of related to what's changed um, after we get our public comment, because I have a feeling. Oh, sorry. Are you in? Oh, you're just watching. Okay. <laughs> I got confused for a second. <laughs> Charlie was watching you from about 15 seconds ago. So anyway, um, so let's go to public comment for right now and see if there's anything that we need to pick up from elsewhere. Is anybody on the call or on the Zoom who would like to speak? Hmm. Michael? You got three minutes. Hi, yeah, Michael Allman again with Sustainability Action Network. Just to say that we support this uh, micro mobility option for Lawrence. Um, one of the concerns back in 2000 by some of the multimodal transportation commissioners was the embedded energy in these scooters or electric bicycles that doesn't warrant the, the, the amount of energy saved by using them because they get wrecked or lost or thrown away or whatever. And so it is way too much energy to make the scooter that it actually saves. And I don't agree with that. Um, that may be true on the face of it, but when you compare the amount of embedded energy in a 4,000 pound motor vehicle, and how many of those last more than two or three years before they're totaled, uh, and then that all goes to the landfill, you know, comparatively, the kind of energy to manufacture a scooter is is order of magnitude less than an automobile, plus the amount of energy used for transportation, plus the, the amount of space necessary to park them. Downtown has a big parking problem, and they are they are focused, uh, ridiculously focused on more motor vehicle parking spaces. They're always defending their motor vehicle park. Well, let's come up with some options. Um, we can substitute micro mobility for a lot of those, those trips downtown and elsewhere. So I'd say, uh, yeah, there could be some issues with logistics, with tracking them, leasing them, um, collecting them around town or whatever, but they are coming. They are coming. They're already here. Electric bicycles are here. Electric skateboards are here. Uh, electric segways, you know, the, the single person standing on an electric segway, they're zipping up and down the sidewalks of downtown right now. Um, not good. Go this way, take, take ownership of it and manage it. Manage it properly so it works. So that's our perspective at Sustainability Action Network. So thank you. Thank you, Michael. Is there anybody else on the call who has a comment? It does not appear to be the case. Okay, well, we'll bring it back up here. 
And I guess um, I'm thinking we can make the best use of our time by asking sort of general comments about the industry that I think Mike can help us out with while we're here or about Bird itself. And then after we feel that we're, you know, have been satisfied with enough information to kind of understand how the landscape has changed a little bit, then we can maybe make a path forward of what, what do we do with this information? So, so that's like a reasonable course of action. Sounds good. All right. Um, I'm going to just get the ball rolling here because I, I feel like these are, these have been asked by others. So I may as well just kind of compile. So uh, the first one is on geofencing accuracy. So I recall back when we were doing this back in 2019, there was concerns over the accuracy of being able to exactly fence scooters off from somewhere else. It was something like six feet plus or minus, which wasn't it wasn't enough to prevent scooters from being on sidewalks. So it sounds like that may have improved. Yeah, are you asking me, Nick? Yeah, yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. Yes, that, that, yeah, that's absolutely true. I think what, one of the biggest pieces, yeah, I think at the time, uh, the vehicle that we had introduced was actually our, our first generation uh, of a vehicle that was designed in-house specifically for rideshare. We're not our fourth generation of that. So we've taken this you know, similar design as what automobiles do where they every year they come out with a better vehicle, a more enhanced vehicle with better safety features. And we've taken that same thing. Um, I think one of the biggest things that you'll notice, yes, on that geofencing side is that uh, candidly back in the time, you know, when we said, hey, we wanted a vehicle that could stop at a certain location or slow down. Um, most of the time it works, but it was uh, there was some uh, wonkiness that would happen and some inaccuracy um, that has been completely resolved to the point where we can actually get parking and geozoning down to a centimeter. Um, so we what we did is instead of having a vehicle that had to send its GPS coordinated uh, coordinates up to the cloud back to the vehicle. By that time, there was a lag of about six seconds, which is why you saw some of those. We've actually embedded that map into the vehicle itself to make down to the very second where it is. So that means if you're running on a certain street or you've entered a park or you've been to somewhere on campus, that vehicle is going to slow down exactly where it needs to be to a certain speed or stop entirely, come to a halt, and that rider needs to be notified that they've entered uh, a zone that they're not allowed to be. And so that's those are things that we're doing reactively. And then proactively, it's a matter of engaging the public, educating them on where they can, where they can't ride, where they can park, where they can't, and, and things of that nature. Cool. That uh, That's kind of what I was hoping to hear. And it's good to know that the technology has improved. I guess I'm also kind of curious to go into the logistics side of that question. And that is who defines the geofences? Who does the initial work to kind of draw it out in GIS or wherever it would be drawn? Well, yeah, we'll, we'll work with the city. So typically, you know, let's say today, for example, the mayor or city manager signed a contract with us. We would work for about four to five weeks on a pre-launch phase where we take feedback or input from the city or from local organizations, or from KU, for example, to define those locations. Um, those are things that you can tell us. We can provide feedback. They can be very collaborative. And then from that point, it's not just a set it, forget it, right? If there are things that come up, if there, you know, there are games, for example, that happen on campus, if there's construction that's happening, if there are events, if there are parades, if you give us about 24 to 40 hours advance notice, we can reprogram the vehicles accordingly and, and reset some of those parameters. So we give you access to a dedicated point person. That, that's probably why there actually isn't a ton of staff time required for this. Um, I know that's a major concern of that, that Hey, scooters aren't a priority and we don't have time for that. I completely understand it. Scooters are scooters in any town are never a priority. That's that's just the reality of it. Um, so I think what we've done is we've been able to build 
a lot of playbooks based on our experience with cities that minimize staff time that's required for this and educate citizens to come to us if they ever have questions or comments or things that need to be resolved, right? They shouldn't be bothering uh, David or the city engineering team or public works. They should be bothering us because that's our job. Okay. Thanks for the info. Um, let's see. So it sounds like you already touched on the next question I had, which was generally local administration and responsiveness. So I think back in 2019, the general gist was that uh, e-scooter companies had kind of a hotline you could that you could call to make sure that, you know, like, hey, these scooters aren't being picked up in time, they're not being charged fast enough. Is that still sort of the same thing or has a model evolved in the past few years? Yeah, we give a boatload of different ways to get in touch with us. You know, a phone call is probably the most responsive, but there's also ways to get in touch with us over our website, um, over an app. Um, every vehicle actually has stickered on there a phone call, uh, you know, a chat line, an email that you can use. Um, and so all of that can be taken to us. And then that's triage actually down to a local contractor or, or um, probably a few local representatives here. So these are fleet managers is what we call them. It's, it's entirely their business to resolve some of these issues. It's entirely their business to actively manage this fleet. Um, and by doing so, they actually share the revenue with us. So they're incentivized to doing so. That's, that's the carrot form. But the stick form is, is uh, if anything needs to come up, it needs to be resolved. Uh, we come up with you know, quick actual ways to resolve those in minutes as opposed to hours or, or days. So again, that's another advancement in, in operations is having... Um, a local individual who I think similar to everyone in this room, you know, they don't want their streets cluttered. They don't want a level of untidiness. They live here too. They're probably, you know, a neighbor of yours. And so I think there's a lot of community pride that's tied to it, um, but also some financial incentives. Okay. Good to know. Um, <coughs> all right. Um, has the overall business model changed? So I think originally it was the the vendor who owned the scooters and, you know, had them operated by consumers who would then pay directly to the um, to the vendor. Sorry, I don't know if there was something in our view that was going to be like a cut of the thing went to the city. I forget how that was structured, but I mean, does the business model change from city to city, or is there generally a pretty standardized thing that you try to to enact? Yeah, I think we we definitely try to keep a layer of consistency, and I think that's because there's probably residents that live in Lawrence or students that. Uh, travel elsewhere and and have used the service before and are familiar with the service and and specifically have used our business um, and then seen and come back to Lawrence and obviously not be able to see it but it's it's all application based you're paying for it basically by the minute so the longer you're taking your ride the higher the fare is going to be um, we have some discount programs available for um, certain students senior citizens healthcare workers uh, folks that are enrolled in government assistance programs so our, our goal is trying to make this as, as affordable as possible um, because we know public transportation sometimes may be affordable but you know may not be reliable and so we try to marry the two uh, but you are correct that a portion of this revenue can be given back to the city in fact we we suggested that we said hey we're going to give you a portion of every ride revenue because we feel like that's the right thing to do because we're using your right of way. Um, and we feel like that helps promote the city advancing its bicycle and pedestrian network, which has been a huge topic of even this conversation. Um, so we're trying to give back to you and hopefully you can take some of that money. Um, maybe it can offset some, some cost time from, or some time from staff, uh, but also maybe that can help stripe out new bike lanes in certain areas that can put down a bike rack in an area that previously didn't have it. So 
I think improving that infrastructure is, is equally as important to this. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. Uh, so the new de development, it seems, in shared mobility has been electric bikes. I mean, they've always kind of been around, but they're huge all of a sudden. So it looks like bird traffic's in those. Um, is that the kind of thing that you would consider for a city the size of Lawrence, or is that more reserved for larger cities? No, I think it's it's a case-to-case -case basis. I completely agree. The, the electric bike uh, has taken off tremendously on the retail side of it for an individual. For some reason, on the rental side of it, 19 out of 20 people are going to prefer to ride a scooter. Um, okay. You know, we can say that because that's what the data says. It was probably something to do with the fact you're not pedaling and it's easier to use. Or, you know, if you're wearing a dress or heels, sometimes it's hard to pedal a bike, but pretty easy just to stand on a scooter. So I think most of the time users are going to prefer for a scooter. Um, that doesn't mean that we can't add bikes because there probably are some trips that happen that a bike is probably the right thing to do. Um, and so I think we're, we're happy to find a, um, a ratio that makes sense. But my assumption would be if I, we were again to start tomorrow, for example, you'd see a much heavier ratio of, of scooters to bikes. Okay. That's good to know. Uh, all right, guys, that's where I'm almost done. So the final thing is the life cycle consideration for a scooter. So I recall a few years ago, there was a whole bunch of articles, you know, you know, Shown stuff like all oh, these scooters are being thrown at landfills and the batteries are just degrading and we can't recycle lithium. Could you just comment on any, I guess, advances that have been made either in battery recycling, longevity of the materials, you know, stuff like that? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think we're, we're a company that touts itself as being a sustainability company. And in the early days, it was difficult to have our scooters be on the road for even longer than a few months. Um, and that was because the vehicles that we were using were not designed to be used for the kind of ruggedness that you would see for, for a sharing system like that. Instead, they were used for kind of single-use scooters. So that's why we've gone to such great lengths to design vehicles and improve on those vehicles to make sure that they last three, four, five, six years. You know, some of the vehicles that we launched in 2018, they're still on the road today. That, that's the idea. That's, that's the goal. Um, so I think the, the useful life for a vehicle that we would deploy in Lawrence, for example, it's probably anywhere between three to five years. Uh, we've also done some interesting things on, on the sustainability side to find uh, second and third life specifically for the battery. That's typically the, the um, uh, mechanism of the scooter that's, that's probably most difficult to, to recycle. So we've worked with a lot of local agencies, specifically in Los Angeles, to find second and third lives for those batteries. Um, and I think anything that we can do to extend that life, anything that we can do to be more sustainable is huge. And I think the biggest one there is getting cars off the road. Uh, you know, 49% of every car trip taken in the U.S. is between one and three miles. That means hundreds of thousands of trips are taken to Lawrence every year that probably should, people should be walking or biking or scootering. And so we're not saying all those trips should be a bike ride or a scooter ride, but maybe if even 10% or 20% of those are, that's a step in the right direction. Cool. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I'm going to give it out to other people who probably have questions as, as well. So. I just have one question about the pilot that we had proposed. Um, I noticed in Overland Park, their pilot was going to continue for over a year. And I'm wondering if the six-month time frame is reasonable. Um, Mike, can you give us any input on pilot programs that you've been involved in across the country? Yeah, I'd say the overwhelming majority are a year. I think that's typically due to the fact that you see more of a, 
holistic look into the success of the program. Six months, sometimes it's really difficult. Either success is too high or, or maybe too low. Um, I think depending on when you're uh, implementing this, when the student population is there, you may see a difference in, in utilization. Um, but I think in the case for both Olathe and Overland Park, those pilot programs were over a year. And I, I worked with both of those cities. So that, that's my suggestion. Again, I think six months, we would take it. Uh, but most cities are doing 12 at least. Thank you. I have a question in terms of uh, starting a pilot project with the student population and when's, when's an ideal time to, to do that in terms of a cycle? Are you thinking, uh, and especially I guess with weather patterns too, so is yeah. it something that would typically It'd be best to launch in September, August or September, or or would second semester uh, be a possibility as well? Or, you know, what what is the best indicator of success of the program? Yeah, I, I don't want necessarily for that to, to stop us. You know, if there was uh, an appetite to begin this program this year, I think we'd be there tomorrow if you needed us. You know, I think that's that's really what we're trying to do. So I don't think it's necessary that, oh, if we started in September versus February, that would change things much. Um, at least in that time, you get an entire year. And that's probably a pretty good indication of, of the efficacy of the program. Um, but yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say one season is necessarily better than the other. You know, we, we know we run a seasonal business. We operate in Canada and Nordic countries and places that are much bleaker than Lawrence in the, in the winter time. Any other questions from the commission or from, from staff for that matter? Okay. Here's where I'm at. Um, I feel like we need to get a path forward of some sort. Um, I think we have a lot of interesting information. Um, I, I don't know. I guess I should pose the general question. I would assume that there's some sort of general desire. I don't know what the priority is among MMTC commissioners that we should at least pursue this since we've tried it before and got, you know, got deferred. So is there anybody who really thinks this is not something we should be working on at all? Okay, that's a good start. So now that we're there, um, here are the things I think we could do to kind of get things going. I want to first find out from staff side, kind of how you forecast your ability to either help us run a new micromobility committee or help us with stakeholder engagement or even which entity it should be. I mean, it could be Parks and Rec, it could be KU, MPO. There's a couple of different entities that, that could take this over. It doesn't necessarily have to be MSO, I'm thinking. So it might be good to get those folks in the same room and just decide like, how can we do this? Um, so that would, that would help to kind of define our timeline, I think, um, to kind of know who's opening up and who would take ownership. What do you think? Yeah, um, uh, that's a good question. We've had that conversation with our multimodal transportation team across departments, mm -hmm. and I we have not identified the capacity or anyone to to take it over right now. Um, just with all the projects and things that are going on, um, and so that's as we're kind of weighing you know what's what works important and what we're doing that's that's the most challenging thing i think for moving this forward is making sure that we do the proper thorough community engagement and review before we roll something out or it may 
may fail if we don't do that. So that was my other big one is I think it would be helpful to try to reform the shared micro mobility committee that we have back in 2019. It won't be the same people because only two of us are left, but um, to try to figure out how to engage stakeholders. I think downtown transit center kind of ran into the same issue where it was just seemed like, yeah, we're just going to have a transit center. There's already one, right? Without really doing the stakeholder engagement. And that was a big issue. Once they actually got down to it, a lot of downtown businesses really didn't support in some cases, even the idea of transit, but in other cases, just the exact location and the scope of it. So I think we would be remiss if we didn't at least try to do some engagement with especially DLI, but also with KU and um, I guess whoever else might have to be involved, the police. So um, I do think that having a new committee or I guess a reformed committee could probably help instead of having staff do all that, we could at least try to direct things. I don't know. Um, and then I do think eventually we'll probably want to do a, you know, kind of resurrect this pilot thing. Um, I do think we should definitely do a new RFQ. There are some companies have gone under, some have emerged. The technology is different. The governance is different. I think we should just redo the RFQ at some point. Obviously not release it yet until we kind of know who's going to like administer what the stakeholders think, but it's something we could do kind of in the meantime. To do that, it seems like it would be effective to send the current RFQ to Bird and other companies and just have them kind of redline and say like, no, no, that, that that doesn't exist anymore. This is obsolete. This is something new you you should you should consider and kind of meld all the technical experts um, kind of opinions and takes on the technology into a single coherent document that would make sense to reissue. So um, saying all that, it sounds like our biggest roadblock is going to be staff time. And given how many open positions are at the city right now, it sounds like that's kind of public knowledge at this point. Like there's just not enough staff to do all the work that has to be done, right? Across yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're uh, we've got a full workload, and and we're we are challenged with with staffing. And uh, you know, one one thing I was just thinking about that we had been working on uh, community engagement was a was a uh, brick brick policy, mm-hmm. brick sidewalks, brick streets, and we have said we we've had two different project managers of that who who have left, and right now that's been put on pause, and we. It's because we got to, if we're going to do it, we got to do it right. And I was haven't had the capacity to, to complete that. So that's just one example. But um, um, yeah, there's there's a lot going on. I think ultimately, at least in my opinion, it probably lands in parking and transit at some point. Mm-hmm. But they're, mm-hmm. they've got, they're doing a lot of work in parking and transit right now. So um, putting kiosks downtown and, and work on the transfer facility and the next thing's the downtown project. And um, so they've got kind of got a full plate. So that's, that's uh, I think the challenge, I think after going through the engagement to determine if we want to have that, have this program in Lawrence's, um, you know, who, who runs it. But I think that's, that's something that could be figured out later, but I think it's just, um, from my perspective, it's just starting the process over again because I'm in agreement that it's been two years, two and a half, and that we would uh, probably get others that would uh, submit if we put an RFQ out. Things have changed, and I think um, that would be my recommendation um, if the community wanted to move forward with with a program. Yeah, I mean, on the plus side, a lot of things have changed in a positive direction. So. Like earlier concerns over sustainability of batteries are less. Um, earlier concerns over 
no way to monitor or enforce, you know, legal writing on the sidewalk, that may have been fixed, which is really cool because that was one of the biggest issues that we kept running into is like, how do we geofence within a reasonable accuracy? Um, I don't know if I heard you correctly. Have you engaged with KU yet or have you not been able to? Okay. Because I almost wonder if maybe they could be an administrator kind of like they are with the transit system. And then perhaps later, parking and transit could kind of glom onto them, which is, I think, exactly how it went with transit, right? <clears throat> well, I mean, definitely they will be a partner in it. And I think they're open if we want to proceed with it. But the reality is a lot of the scooters are going to be in the city. They'll be on KU campus too, but KU can't control the scooters that are downtown or anywhere else. So well, I really couldn't uh, control it with, with a VO ride. And that, that was their administration. And because there weren't any geofences, <clears throat> we're all over the place, right? So at least at least with this, they would be able to say like, well, working with the city as a partner, here's where the geofencing could go. Um, it's a lot more control than they used to have, at least. I don't know. Um, Can I get a question for Mike? Um, if you're still online there. Yeah. Is the geofencing accuracy, is that something that's also now available on the, your bikes or is it just on the scooters? Yeah, it, it's it's for both vehicles. Okay. So my inclination is that uh, transit is probably the right home for this sort of work. Sorry. And I was wondering what you, when you're bringing up KU, if the sen the student senate has shown interest in this, if they have any interest in you know hiring a student who could kind of spearhead the coordination of a community engagement, if that would help at all with you know, staff um, limitations, or if there's a need for us to try to find money for an intern that the city could hire along with all the other open positions, <laughs> you know, to kind of dedicate someone <laughs> in the next, you know, year to be able to really um, get this off the ground. I mean, I just imagine this is not a high priority with staff. So it's kind of like, who is it a high priority for? That's where the student senate might come in. I think KU would benefit and by far. They probably want to see it happen tomorrow, but you know, if we give them kind of clarity on a nice timeline and plan it out, engage not just the students at KU, but also in particular our downtown uh association. I mean, I think that's probably the biggest destination for people is going to be downtown. And how does it not become a an eyesore or just a you know, litter problem, essentially. Um, they can get ahead of that and get get the downtown area bought into that this would be a benefit to them. That would go a long way, I think, to dealing with people's fear about it being another view right situation. Do we think that since it's a pilot program, it might even be appropriate while transit and parking is dealing with the immediate issue of the transit center. If KU could just run the pilot and just administer it, should they have the bandwidth and the desire to do so? I mean, it, it is odd having something that's all city being governed by a university that is kind of an island sometimes. But on the other hand, that's exactly what transit used to be. So there is a precedent for it. It's not like this is completely out of left field. Um, what about the what about the possibility of, um, at least for some of the groundwork leading up to that um, of pursuing like uh, the urban planning 
class that, you know, the, the practicum class, and I don't remember what number that is, but, you know, it's do a complete project in terms of feasibility and, you know, developing, doing the stakeholder uh, involvement and that kind of thing. And I don't know whether that's offered in the fall or the spring. I don't, you know, I haven't followed that recently, so I don't know for sure, but, you know, the, all of the master's students or, you know, or certain number of them within the class or it can be a whole class project, uh, you know, as far as looking at it as a uh, project for doing the update on some of the, you know, the regulations and the community involvement and some of those kinds of things. Yeah, I think that's possible if, if KU and KU students want to help take the lead, the city could partner with them. We can maybe talk to Lisa Koch and see if she has some ideas. And if, if I can make a recommendation, I, I would uh, heavily recommend the city not open up an, an RFQ for this. I think one of the resounding things that we're, we're hearing, at least this theme, is that you know staff time is relatively limited. Um, opening up to an RFQ probably adds at the low end eight weeks and at the high end sometimes 16 weeks um, to redline something like that, to interview vendors, to go through the um, that, that permitting process. And, and it sounds like the city staff doesn't have that right now. So our, our recommendation is, again, to view this as a pilot program, take the, the feedback, take the learnings that you're getting from the six, nine, 12 months, whatever we decide on, and you can take that feedback and then include that in an RFP at the end of this. You know, assuming that you do want to extend this and you do feel like there's value, you'll take all the feedback that you've gained over 12 months and you can add things that are, that are specific to KU, specific to Lawrence, um, as opposed to putting out a, a generic RFQ that may, you know, may not make a ton of sense and may need to be amended down the road. Dave, any thoughts on that? Um, well, I, I think I spoke earlier about that, but I think it's been two years and I know it would take more work, but I feel like if we didn't go through the process again, it's been, you know, things have changed and there will be other, I've gotten contacted by other vendors the past couple of years that didn't submit asking if Morris was interested in scooters and I'm sure there would be others that would be interested in submitting. And so I think it would be hard for us to take something that's two and a half years old and then uh, a process that we went through and then say, well, we want to, we want to start this now. And I don't know. And I don't know enough right now to know what's changed, you know, just to say, okay, well, you know, this is, let's just go. And so I, I'd just be really concerned about, about doing that. And if, if we want to be successful, that we probably just need to, do some more research, whether it's KU or someone else, to see to see if uh, what best practices have changed and you know how to how to make it successful. Yeah, and I would say regardless of how long an RFQ takes to fix and get out and to to evaluate bits and everything, we still do need time to actually do the real stakeholder engagement that wasn't done last time that probably should be done. I'm just feeling like general lessons learned from city decisions I've seen past five years or so when there isn't any stakeholder engagement and something gets done and people don't like it, it blows up. So um, I feel like if we didn't have a transparent open process to try to select, you know, the best that we can um, 
I I don't think that would go over particularly well with people. Um, even if it ends up being a benefit, like perception is reality, right? So if there's any perception of kind of you know political favorites or or opacity in the in the in the selection process, I don't think it would go very well. So like as 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 much as I appreciate Mike all your input, and I I do think Bird is very well positioned. Probably, I just think to make sure that we're following the correct process, you know, to kind of respect our citizens, we're we're probably going to have to go through an RF two again for a couple of reasons. So, Dave, it sounds like then you would be okay with maybe continuing to kind of revise the original RFQ to update it, maybe in that the methods I suggested by getting you know technical and logistical suggestions from vendors. Um, maybe reconvening the share micro mobility committee in the meantime to help shepherd that along and to figure out how to kick off the stakeholder engagement process all the while knowing that we can't really pull the trigger until we know who's going to take ownership of it. So do you think this could happen side by side or does there have to be a sequence here? <clears throat> well, I think this sequence would be to start with the community engagement first and um, and determine that there is a need and a want for the community to move forward with it. And then it, it can happen simultaneous, but to ha have a review of regulations and we want to put out an RFQ and then have a conversation with KU on um, how, how much they can be involved to partner with it, um, particularly since the student senate's interested in interested in it or most local or the, really the only one we've heard from um you know if there's a possibility for ku to take the lead in it that would go a long way i think um but certainly it's going to take some staff time to coordinate uh just you know on the city side and downtown with downtown lawrence and with with a legal agreement and uh and 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 I think um, just looking at like what you know defining success for the program, like how do we measure that? And 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 with with our with all of our things in the strategic plan and equity and sustainability, and how do we you know how does it tie into our you know moving forward on some of our outcomes? So I think that's that would probably be up to some of the work of the micro mobility subcommittee or just committee. Because I don't think we did that last time. It was really define metrics and objectives and how do we measure the success even so. Yeah, we talked about it a little, but I don't know if we really Yeah. Yeah. I We're think we it was still we was still there, you know, there was a lot of things that we that we had talked about that we didn't really decide, you know, that we didn't that was still kind of open ended. And I think that those are things that we probably want to make sure we do a better job of closing the loop before we start it. Um, because uh, yeah, I've just seen things that we've started. We started things, and if we don't, you know, ha have the ability to keep it moving, that just stalls out. So, um, I'm not trying to say it's not important or we shouldn't talk about it at some point, but that's just the I think the reality right now with what we got going on. So, I mean, I'd be happy to reach out to KU, see how much they want to. Um, be included in in this and they have the ability to to take the lead maybe 
I do think that'd be a really important first step because that would determine the timeline. Because if they can't, then staff definitely can't over the next six months to a year, right? But if KU can, then that could move up our timeline considerably. And then we could probably get to work on, you know, additional research engagement. Otherwise, there's probably not as much of a rush if nobody can administer it. So Yeah, so I guess the other question I would just have for the board is if there's a, a group that's interested in helping, if you know, think it's important that we really start looking at this seriously again to maybe get a group together and look at what we've done and what's maybe what's changed or not changed and give us some recommendations that may help as well. Yeah. I think if we have the volunteer input for that, we should, but I guess that's a question. If we were to reconvene the micromobility, the shared micromobility committee, would anybody be interested in serving on it? I know we have a lot of committees right now. So, and a lot of involvement. So, so we're currently doing T2050, you two. Mm-hmm. Um, plan development update steering committee is me. Um, there's still the codes or the what's the one that you and you two are on the um, like MMTC goals and yeah, or the evaluation one. Yeah, yeah, which is sort of in hiatus, I guess, right now, right? But it's it's, it's still out there. <laughs> yeah, it's out. I mean, it's in hiatus, but we're kind of waiting on the the metrics for a strategic plan. So yeah. hopefully that. We'll get going here, you know, before too much longer. But okay, you know, yeah. and and then we have our ad hoc committee to do the CIP, which is going to be over soon. So, I guess. Well, then plus we have a. Oh, another one. Something on the. Oh yeah, uh, the that's right. Climate action plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, is there anybody who either feels strongly enough or just wants to get involved in something that's kind of fresh here? Um, I guess a refresh to look into micro. Mobility. Even just two people would be good enough, right, Dave? Like just some contingent to kind of help move things along. Probably be, be fine. Not really. Where to I'm very us. interested in. Awesome. In, in that's what right now. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making my job easy. <laughs> um, is there anybody else on the commission who would be interested in taking this up? I remember being kind of a fun time back in 2019. Mm-hmm. That's, it was. We had vigorous discussions. It was nice. So, you know. Um, but uh, I'm not going to be doing it because I think the land development code update is going to be significant. So yeah. there's only so much of these I can do. You know, I want to say, I think it'd be interesting to look at e-scooters, but also just talk about bikes, e-bikes. I mean, there's so many elements that it'd be good to kind of look at, you know, what are we going to end up doing combination? And you can, there's a lot out there about how you're going to reduce the number of cars, the number of parking spaces you need. I mean, some of the things I've been looking at, there's a lot of, a lot of benefits, unbelievable benefits. So it'd be good to think about where we want to go with that in general. Yeah. We definitely struggled at first to kind of narrow down our scope because it was, it started as just the, Shared micro mobility, or maybe just micro micro mobility, which include like the single wheel skateboards, electric skateboards, yep. any bikes, rascal scooters, like everything. Um, we thought, all right, we gotta we gotta whittle this down a little bit to focus on what is probably most important, which at the time and probably again is uh, shared e scooters. But shared e bikes could also be important. So uh-huh. it's good to kind of reevaluate that scope over here. All right. So shall we say just one for now and maybe at the next meeting, if anybody has a change of heart, we can see if there's more for a committee. I'm not 
sensing any other people jumping at the bit here. So who knows? Maybe Douglas is really into this. So, okay. Well, Commissioner Bennett, thank you for your uh, volunteering. But I think at this point, we're probably going to table this till the next meeting and see if we can get a, you know, once everybody's here and once our CIP thing's done, we can kind of finish this item up. So, but for now, I think the general direction is that it would be helpful to reach out to KU and kind of let us know if you hear anything back by September. So I can do that. Yep. Cool. I think this is helpful. Any other final questions before we close out this agenda item? Any thoughts? Okay. Thanks, everybody. And thank you, Mike, for your time as well. Appreciate you staying around. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. Let's move on to item number two. Consider appointing a MMT representative to the steering committee for the climate action plan. All right. All right. Um, so this one's mine again. Uh, Kathy Richardson was on here, but she had to take off. So I'm going to kind of summarize what she gave to me and it's, everything's in here in the memo. But um, um, essentially, um, the work on the climate action plan is continuing. A, a steering committee is being formed. So back uh, last fall, um, when Jasmine Moore was both the city and county sustainability director, she came and presented an update on the climate action plan um and she's since left and and um there's um now we've identified a staff person from the city and county or kind of sep a separate or separate positions but still working together um and so kathy richardson um who's the city's interim sustainability um director um is uh the lead on this now and um they're looking for um uh, appointees to the steering committee it's not i guess it's not going to be your typical steering committee that's like appointed by the city commission or eight to ten positions or whatever it's a very large group is my understanding and um so really it's just um uh, a large group that uh, is going to be working with the staff advisory um committee to to review the climate action plan and uh, i think review the community engagement that's occurred so far and see maybe what else identify what else needs to be done um and and obviously we've had conversations about the correlation of transportation and sustainability some of our conversations so uh, i think it would be really uh important if there was someone that was representing this board on that steering committee and there could even be two people if two people are interested so didn't have to be just one but um so one would be great sounds good all right um any questions about the i guess what's being presented or asked <laughs> i would add there planning on meeting monthly um so that's the time commitment i think they're going to start in august this month my understanding and that's about all i know as far as the frequency i don't know if they've set times or uh at all other than that so how long do they expect it to to take do you know i don't it looks like things are finishing up in february According to the website. Mm, okay. 
At least that was original, the original. Yeah, that so might be. According to that link in the agenda item, um, there's a timeline here. So yeah, spring 2023, maybe. Yeah, that's when it goes to <clears throat> that, City and County Commission. That's what was on there. Yeah, that, I don't, and I don't know if that's up to date or not. So I think, um, fortunately, Kathy had to log off, but I could follow up with her later. But yeah, just I don't know time frame. I think it's been kind of on hold a little as they transitioned into uh, Jasmine since she since she left. So um, I don't know if that's delayed the end, end date or not, but. Do you know who else is represented on the steering committee? It doesn't look like there's, I, there's any material for that yet, huh? Yeah, I sure don't. Okay. But it's big. Right. Yeah. So I think it's that's what that's what I heard. Twenty five to thirty ish. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. So it's maybe uh, not your traditional steering committee, but more just a larger group that are interested in. So yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's a huge that's steering committee. So I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's a set number. I guess is what. What I heard, so I don't know that not where they're at now or what what to expect, but I think that's what. Okay. Well, um, if there aren't any other burning questions, do we have anybody who is interested in joining the steering committee to represent us and to also kind of bring information back our way? I'd be interested. Yeah. All right. Is anybody else interested? Do we have to have a showdown or? <laughs> I mean, you, you never know, right? <laughs> okay. Well, there's room for a second. So if anybody does decide later that's something that they're interested in, maybe after the first time that you report back, somebody's like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. Um, then who knows, right? But otherwise, um, I guess any, any objections or shall we just head for a motion? All right. Well, in that case, I motion that we nominate Vice Chair Baltuska to the as the MMTC representative to the Steering Committee for the Climate Action Plan. I'll second the motion. Okay. First by Commissioner Kuzmiak, second by Commissioner Brian. Before you do that, do you want to get public comment if there happen yeah, to be, right. if there happened to be any? I don't know, but that's right. Thank you for reminding me. Is there any public comment on on the Zoom call? In that case, we can just go straight to roll when you're ready, Christina. Amy Baltuska? Yes. Orvin? Yes. Wilshire? Yes. Aaron Tatum? Yes. Pat Cole? Yes. Charlie Brown? Yes. 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 Okay. Thank you, everybody. Now we're on to staff items. Um, I don't have anything um, listed on the agenda, We, but I would mention we were working on getting the data put together for the 29th and the Haskell Crossing you asked about. Um, so I hope to have that next month. And that's that's all that I have. 
I don't know if this is appropriate for staff items or for commission items, but at the last meeting we'd asked about um, an update on kind of general content of the uh, the grant application that's going in for the you know the, the safe streets for all. Uh, yeah, safe streets for all, and um, so I wondered if there's an update on that in terms of kind of the range of things that are being considered for that and how that how that's playing out. Yeah, we are. Um, you know, it's due in, in September, so. Yeah, it's due September 15th. So um, the city, Baldwin City, New Dora, working on a joint application. Um, and But as far as I, I, we haven't started working on the details yet, I don't think, to, that I could speak to. <laughs> okay. But, um, yeah, we plan on submitting it. I, I guess the one thing, you know, after um, um, the notice of funding opportunity came out on that, KDOT did send out um, to uh, a spreadsheet or database of of the communities in Kansas and their crash rates or fatality crash rates per uh, per mile um, to help um, include that in an application. Um, so I did see that. Ours is actually surprisingly, well, not surprisingly, it's a good thing, but it's low, a, a lot lower than other communities, which may not help our application. Um, but uh, so, um, so that's something that we're certainly going to be including in, in there, but uh, yeah, I might be able to uh, give you a better update in September on that. Thanks. Is there a staff item? Sorry. I had a staff item, but I'm trying to figure out what it was. <laughs> it may just become a commission item if I can't remember in time. We'd asked something a while ago. Oh, do you know where the Old West Lawrence traffic calming pilot is at? Um, we met with uh, their traffic safety team last week. Okay. And uh, we're reviewing their plan and steps forward. But I don't have a timeline or any anything other than that at this point but looking at trying to uh prioritize um looking at another another plan and what is out there so okay so it's and we've still moving along together a survey send it to them and so okay moving but not as moving slowly but Okay. Sounds good. Um, shall we move on to commission items? Okay. Commission items is next. Who would like to bring something up? Is this the point at which we want to talk about the letter to the uh, commission? Yeah. Shall we start off with that then? Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. So just a, a reminder for those like me who could use a reminder from what happened in the study session. We had discussed in general the project to um, extend Wakarusa Drive south of K10 and then all the way down to County Road something on the county, basically across, across the, the Wakarusa River. A couple of city commissioners had raised 
concerns as well as members of the public have raised concerns about sort of the alignment of that project with the city's overall goals and strategic plans and plan 2040 and all that jazz. So um, the, the issue, however, is that the city has already agreed to pay the match funds, which is about $7 million to KDOT in order to get improvements done to K10, which it seems to be generally agreed upon something that the city of Lawrence does want. So that wasn't particularly negotiable. That being said, the amount of money that was or that was earmarked for the Walker Roos extension was something like four million. Is that right? I forget what the actual number was because it's shared with the county, right? So it's not just city paying it, but it was in the seven digits. Um, and it is possible to not do the project, but then Lawrence would still be on the on the hook for sending that set of match funding to KDOT in order to complete the um, expansion of K10. So um, I guess if we feel that there are enough concerns with the Walker's extension to stop the project or to try to stop the project, then that would mean that the city is still going to pay the money. They're just not going to get a project for it, um, like a separate project. So what are people thinking here? Because I don't know where everybody stands on this or if we have enough, like if we're even uh, unified or not. I have no idea. So can we maybe go around the horn just for fun? Because I know a lot of people don't talk too much. So since this is kind of a weird one and it is a commission item. Well, I'll start with, with sure. you. What are your thoughts? So I'm still confused about that $7 million. So it's the city's paying $7 million no matter what. Correct. correct. And the question is, does that $7 million go towards extending Wakarusa? Or what's the other? I need clarity on what happens if it doesn't go to extend Wakarusa. Yeah, well, KDOT, KDOT asked for about 10% local contribution to the overall improvement of the Westlake project. Um, and you know, through our negotiations or discussions with KDOT, um, it, we were basically splitting it about 7 million county, 7 million city. And um, we had agreed that KDOT would include reconstructing walkers to the north, improving East 900 Road, and then include this project that we had in the CIP to extend walkers to the south. And so that for the city portion of the 7, 7 million was about 4.2 million. So if and that's kind of where we had left it at. If we said, if the city said, hey, we don't, we now we do not want to build the road, we would still provide KDOT the $7 million, but not do that portion. But now the county could still do the project. I mean, it's a project in the county CIP, it's a priority for the county. Um, so they could still proceed with it without us. We were planning to have a, um to it was it was a joint project so that project itself was being split 60 percent county 40 percent city um so it was a roughly 10 or 11 million dollars with our last update and so the cities was 4.2 million and the counties was oh six point something i think um and uh i don't know if that helps you <laughs> it's it's a little unique. I mean, it's it's unique. This is the way that 
um, that it's evolved because it was its own project and it was about $7 million. And as we looked at the estimate, we're like, well, it's probably not going to be $14 million. It's probably closer to 10. And it just kind of, so, yeah, so we, there's nothing that I know of that we can trade it for say, okay, we want our $4.2 million to go to X, Y, Z. So um, we're, you know, I think we're kind of, we've committed our money and if the city doesn't want to participate in that project, it's still not participate and KDOT would be fine with that is my understanding because mm-hmm. they're not, they, that road extension is not part of the KDOT plans. The other improvements are included in the KDOT plans. This would be a separate city county project that's tied. It would be built with SLT projects for economies. And so, um, and I can, it may be helpful if I just pulled up a map and gave everyone kind of maybe an overview of the area. And I found, um, (laughs) let's see here, this that shows the road network. Okay, so um, let me zoom in just a little. Um, here's Walker Rusa, and this is just, you know, this line is just conceptual um, on this map, but um, so KDOT's building. The interchange here, K10 and Wakarusa. Wakarusa will extend down and there'll be a roundabout here for eastbound on off traffic on the K10. And if the if we proceeded with the project, then it would start here and continue to the south and tie into uh, County Road 458, which ties in over to 59 there at Iowa. So there was, uh, this is, you know, just looking at the history, there was a connection here that was closed in 2017. Um, and then we have uh, the dam roads. So you got the, the uh, it, which is in the Army Corps of Engineers jurisdiction, and it's in the park. So you got the road up top and you got the park road underneath it. Um, it was by uh, Eagle Bend Golf Course there. So um, that's the kind of the area and I think there this shows a history of other roads that were closed I think with the construction of Clinton Lake there was access here and there used to be a bridge over the Wakarusa River and a road here that was closed in 1979 um, and then KDOT obviously closed this access here so you know some of the um, need for for the project as far as uh, transportation goes was, um, you know, just the connectivity here to the interchange. And if um, you couldn't um, access K-10 there, you'd uh, have to go over to Iowa. And so I think the positive things of the project would be reducing congestion on Iowa, having more direct connection and, um, you know, um, we also included extending a bike ped facility, um, with this project as well. When, uh, the castle connection closed that we heard a lot from folks that had 
that were more recreational bikers that would cross there. And so now they either use Iowa or they go um, over to uh, the dam road. So that's a little bit, uh, I guess, as far as some history and an aerial that kind of shows the proposed project. So, so as other history, I think KDOT had led like public engagement discussions or a focus group or something like that for a couple of years, right. To kind of discuss what they were going to do with the K10 expansion. But I think part of the disconnect was that through those discussions, I don't think this road was ever brought up at, as a part of what would become the total project. Is that correct? Or was yeah, it talked about early on? Yeah, this, their, the supplemental the environmental impacts study they did, um, did not include this. I mean, it's a bigger, bigger picture study about um, tolling and and whether to toll or not to toll and the different alternatives and the impacts of that. And um, they're looking at no ways from, from the highway and that's something they're looking at. So um, they don't, you know, this Walker extension is not, was not included in that and it didn't, didn't need to be included in that. Right. So they did do that through there. Is it private? Is it public? Is it county? Is it? It's private. Yep. It's an imminent domain? Um, it would be part of, you know, acquisition would be part of the process right away acquisition. Um, it's not uncommon when we build new roads to do that. But yeah, if it wasn't, um, th there's no platted right of way um, right now that exists. So yeah, that would, that would be, that would need to be acquired. So the, portion to the west like if you walk a rusa if you just extended it straight straight on its alignment where it's at today and not wiggled around everything west of that is army corps of engineer property that we lease and is in the city limits and so the city limits extend down to you know incorporate that park area um but yeah this is all um to the east is private privately owned land and it's also in the county as well i believe it looks like the current alignment on it it's actually on the bikeway plan as well it looks to be almost completely in the county except for the very bottom turn that goes it cuts across the corner of city land or core land correct yep yeah. this over here is in the county and this along the line would be that's on the line so yep how it ties in where it ties in exactly you know that's undecided that's something right. that we would uh look at with design um i think this was just to to minimize the crossing of of the river so that's right you know this conceptual alignment was was to do that and um yeah okay well, thanks for bringing us back up to speed. I guess I'll kind of pose a question again now that we've kind of recapped where we are and what some of the history is. So I'm curious to each commissioner, what are your thoughts on the road in general? It, it, you've probably heard from some of the public and the city commissioners from, I guess, opposition and not particularly interested in pursuing this, but hopefully now you also are starting to understand the, fin the uh, financial implications, the sort of planning and engineering implications about what's going on so um i think if we write a letter it would have to be from a unified front so i just want to see where everybody is and if there even is a unified front so um well i'm going to start with you again yep 
I don't know if you got your questions answered. <laughs> no, it's fine. I think looking at the map helps. I think that in general, I like keeping, I like the idea of not extending development further um, and keeping Lawrence small, like the community small. And I've, you know, reading the public comments and hearing from various folks about the environmental impact and waterways and wetlands and whatnot. I think that given those comments, I think I would fall in favor of not extending the road. Okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah likewise, the not extending, like, because it does run through the county and the private property, not receive the money spent on improving the SLT, especially at the youth sports complex in K-10, where there's some significant traffic issues instead of creating a secret bypass road, because that's what feels right right now. Damon? Yeah, ditto. I'm on board with, um, you know, providing a recommendation to go without extending Wakarisa. Um, yeah, I can appreciate the fact that like we tried to get a little bit of a project um, with the money we are already spending, but I wouldn't really see it as a loss if we go without it. It's more just like going along with the project as we, I guess, didn't know about it. I mean, it's going to be money well spent on the SLT improvements, it sounds like. So I think it'll be a benefit to go without the road, I think, overall. Okay. Um, not in favor. I I don't think it aligns with our strategic plan, um, but with like the general strategic plan, that, that's all, all words, but also plan 2040, which is maps. It shows that this area is uh, growth tier three, which is not meant to be developed until like everything's totally built out and we've done growth tier two and everything. And though the arguments I've heard from the county engineer at this rate are, well, you know, it's not really meant for development, it's meant for access, but access breeds development. Like no matter what you do, those folks who own those those uh, farms and farmland are going to see dollar cents pretty quickly. And it's very human and natural for them to do so because all of a sudden they're connected to uh, a city of 100,000 and a highway, which is awesome for them. So um, it's one of those things where, you know, th there's a reason that we keep trying to talk to the planning commission and that's because planning and transportation are pretty intrinsically linked. So if we, you know, if you add transportation, you will very quickly find that growth will follow. And it just doesn't seem like this is in alignment with our plan. I mean, I'm not opposed to growth really in any way, honestly, like I'm generally okay with annexation as long as it's not a financial boondoggle, grow the population is all good too. But if, if the whole city kind of voted to not grow here, we should probably listen. So it <clears throat> seems like the real challenge here is there's an opportunity to get a project completed while we're paying for it. So like you're going to have to pay for this eventually if you're going to you know, ever have that road. And can we get it for free? You know, quotation marks around free. Um, like it's not right. Like 
growth in that area isn't expected. So the road is, as the county, I guess, is saying, it's strictly for access, not for growth. Um, it's, hard it's hard to know, know really what would happen if the road was built for access, if it would increase pressure on growth. Um, so at this point, I, I think I could go with the sentiment that everyone else has had that this is not the right time to be extending that road. And yes, we'll have to pay for it eventually if when that time comes, but not right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I also, you know, rec would recommend that we you know, draft a, a, um, a letter to the commission recommending that that uh, item one be removed from the capital improvement plan, which is the extending the walkers at the intended use of 1200. I agree with uh, the sentiment that um, we should not extend walkers at this time, um, specifically thinking about the vision and plan 2040. I, I don't think that that taking it into a tier three area is going to um, help us meet that vision. Yeah, I agree that the you know environmental impact hasn't really been looked at thoroughly. I think that's really important. And also, if you've ever gone down, uh, taken Iowa down to go to 458 to go to the homes down there, I mean, I think you know maybe somebody down there would like to you know drive straight up Wakarissa, but really, it's not that far over to Iowa. Not we've a lot of money's been spent on extending Iowa. I mean, I think that. As far as transit goes, I mean, people needing a road, do they, people who live south of there, do they need a road there? I haven't heard that they do. The justification I've heard, just in case you're curious from the county engineer, is that it would, it would reduce ambulance response times and, and fire response times, which I don't doubt is true. I guess what I would be skeptical of is the extent to which it reduces those. Like, is it a 1% reduction or a 50% reduction, right? That's, that would be a huge difference. And I, I haven't gotten... <laughs> The other thing is, I mean, it's kind of philosophical, honestly, but if you choose to live in the country, out in the county, that's kind of a social contract that you get less rules and you get less, you know, city taxes, but you also get less city services because you're not in the city. Um, if you want quiet and solitude, don't expect, you know, rapid response at your doorstep. That seems a little bit unreasonable, I think. So I'm not saying that the, the county engineer is speaking for the people there. I just think that's maybe an assumption kind of baked into to the justification for the road. And I'm not sure if the assumption is, is you know, realistic. So, um, well, let's stop for public comment. I know that we usually don't do it on commission items, like I mentioned earlier, but this is not your average commission item. So, Michael, if you're ready, you got uh, three minutes. Yeah, Michael Allman, Sustainability Action Network, and I'm encouraged by everybody's um, understanding and position on this. As far as moving the road to the west, which would then put it in the city limits, the county engineer has very clearly told me that the Corps of Engineers will not let them build a road on core land. Plus, you're going to take it right through Eagle Bend Golf Course. So I don't think that's reasonable. 
Um, and Commissioner Ryan really nailed it. I think the sticky wicket is, do we have some construction project that we can contribute to the $7,007 million, or do we have to pony up cash? And if I could share my screen, I have a suggestion. Um, this is the Clinton Parkway interchange design from KDOT that Commissioner Baltuska flagged months ago as a major problem. The lower half here, this is the 27th and Walker's intersection. One of the stated purposes of doing the SLT is to increase the safety, particularly seven ways a bicycle can be struck at this intersection. Well, they're gonna do that correctly and make it safer. At the same time, they're making this one horribly unsafe. Six ways that a bicycle can be struck at the Clinton Parkway roundabout. It's hard to see, but this is the loop. The loop would come right to here and cross over one, two, three, four, five, six highway lanes at grade. No overpass, no underpass at grade. Some of the traffic on these outer um, uh, ramps would be going, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour. So I would suggest two things. You talked earlier about the Iowa loop overpass as a potential cost share. And then this needs to be redesigned no matter what, no matter what, this needs to be redesigned. It's, in, it's insane. So those are my two suggestions. I think that could come to $4 million. So thank you so much for your interest. Sure. Thank you, Michael. I just want to point out that the image that Michael showed, I don't think is the current uh, proposal from KDOT. At Clinton or Walker Rusa? Was, he, was, was showing, he showing? He was showing Clinton. Okay. Yeah. Which at one point was, a, I think, a lot more roundabouts, if I recall. I think it's been toned down a little bit, but... Um, Well, Dave, I guess that's a question for you. Um, you. You've been through these negotiations with KDOT and you understand what they're kind of looking for in a project that would be qualifying as a match, right? And at this point, there are no shovel ready projects that would qualify as a match, right? So, I mean, given the, the timing, would there be enough timing to come up with a new concept for a project, go through design, have it shovel ready for whenever this is being constructed, which is pretty soon, right? Like next year or two? Um, yeah, they haven't announced a, a start construction date yet. Um, hoping that it gets moved into the funding plan here this summer, but um, I don't. I don't think there's any opportunity to make any changes with their their project at this point. Um, can always continue to ask them, and they can tell us no. Um, I, I think they're going to be providing an update to the city commission here in the next month or two and try to get them here to write an update on the overall project and hopefully there's good news that they're moving forward with the with funding it so that might be uh, might be able to hear it directly from them but really they've they're they're uh past field check and moving forward on on plan so as far as other other things that there was no other thing that um that we could that we identified to include for our for our match so started out with just 
$7 million for the highway project. And so right. we've tried to include things that would benefit, you know, directly benefit city and county in that. And that's what they had agreed to. So, um, and I guess it would probably help with this project's benefited KDOT, right? So I don't know if this is what Michael had in mind, but the, the car traffic entering the interchange at Clinton and K10 looks pretty gnarly. And there would probably be a lot of potential conflicts with the bikes, which is, it's, you know, obviously really bad for, for cyclists, but also not great for cars either. Cause you got to slow down. You don't want to hit somebody. Right. I mean, is this an opportunity to have a bridge just over all that stuff, which is kind of crazy, but probably $4 million crazy too. I, I mean, they're not cheap. Right. So if that's the kind of project that we could do and not just throw our money into the KDOT void, but actually get something out of it. Um, I would assume that would help KDOT because then entrance and, and exit off the highway will be easier. Um, so I don't know. That's just completely out of left field, but I mean. Yeah, I would, yeah if we could get more improvements, I would take them. <laughs> so do you think it's worth looking into? I mean, does it pass the insanity check or is that, is it just too long on the bridge? Like I have no idea. I, I, we have, I don't know if they've looked at it. I don't know if it, I'd be interested in bridge or tunnel. I think the Iowa may, may be uh, crossing maybe a tunnel and not a bridge. I'd, <laughs> something that would be looked at. But that's, yeah, there's there's a lot going on there with the roundabouts and and to get uh, ADA compliant overpass or underpass <laughs> challenges with that, I would think. And so, um, yeah. Do you think you'd be able to bring up the most recent Landsat or is it kind of hidden in a in an agenda a couple months ago? Yeah, I don't have it. No, it's okay. I don't have it handy. Um, maybe we can dig into that a little more at the next meeting. Yeah, sounds like we have some time, right? So, but I don't know if that necessarily. I mean, is that something that we would include in this letter? Like, consider a different project that would still, you know, help. So we're not missing out on. $4 million of, I don't really even know if to call it free. It's not free. We're still paying money for it, but we're also getting something in return. It's like a tote bag from NPR. It's not just a donation. It's also you get a thing out of it, which is nice. It could be possibly, uh, you know, vague. I mean, without detailing it, but just saying we recommend not doing the Walker Pacific extension and also to explore, you know, other projects that would improve bike ped access or, you know, something along those lines. Does that sound either, reasonable to everybody? You know, because we're talking about either Iowa Street or or at Clinton Parkway. So if we, you know, could word it so that, you know, explore those other options as a replacement for that for that project. Okay. Okay. Um, so since we... We would likely need to get this in, I guess, by the next city commission meeting, probably before our next MMTC meeting, right? I think that's what the schedule was. Mm -hmm. um, so in that case, we would probably need to make a motion that, you know, does does the commission trust me to pen a letter and just do my best? I don't have to write it, by the way. Somebody else can, too, if you guys are, if anybody is into that, but... I feel like I probably should take first responsibility. So unless anybody's particularly passionate about this, I can, I can give it a go. Yeah, I think 
I think you're a good candidate. I'd like to make a motion that we authorize uh, Nick to um, draft a letter to the city commission recommending that the um, Wakarusa extension project be removed from the CIP and to investigate with KDOT um, al alternatives, alternative projects that would include bike ped safety um, along the, SL the new SLT. I'll second that. Before we say yes or no, does that encapsulate everything that we wanted to talk about? Do you want me to quickly run down the things I, I captured from what everybody is kind of bringing up as what their concerns are just to make sure I got it all? I feel like I saw concerns over excess uh, city growth in the wrong direction, misalignment with Plan 2040, would prefer to do improvements to K-10 adjacent roads. Um, what was the other one? Sorry. Um, yeah, not aligned with Plan 2040 and more scrutiny of the environmental impact of this particular project, which wasn't given really a lot of thought originally. So I will try to move those in and just kind of put those as quick bullet points. Okay. Any other discussion or should we put it to vote? <clears throat> one one comment. I'm not like arguing with you, but it is the road extension is in plan 2040. So um, it's been in transportation plan for a long time. It's oh. a future road. So the timing, I think right. we had conversations yep. about the timing. And so you might, okay. if you want to specify like misalignment, I. Yeah, it's a good idea, I think. I mean, it's. Yeah, I think the issue here is, you know, the CIP has a five-year time horizon and the transportation plan has a 20-year time horizon. It's just. Soon to be almost 30. <laughs> I guess it's going to be like 25 years soon, so. Yeah, but. This isn't the right time for that project to get put into the CIP. Yeah, it is interesting that T2050 has something that conflicts with Plan 2040, of which it is a part of. It's like, who do you believe, right? There's um, like, if we don't want to expand to that area by housing and commercial stuff, but if we do want to expand to by road, it's almost like they forgot that there's a link between land use and you know transportation but he's right i mean if it's in t2050 it's in plan 2040 so um i think the other confusing part is in the mpo's plan i believe it's an arterial road and if it's for access i don't know that it needs to be an arterial road yeah and that might just be you know every five years that plan gets updated maybe it needs to be given a little more attention Okay. Maybe it needs to be just a bike gravel path only. The sweet ramp over the river. <laughs> <laughs> or a Ford. Gotcha. <laughs> Actually, no, I used to bike on Beach Drive in Washington, D.C. There was a literal Ford through the river that you could still go through. It was awesome. <laughs> Especially for kids. All right. Um, any other discussion? Dave, do you have anything else to add? No. Okay. All good points all around. Thank you all. So let's, um, Christine, if you can call roll, please. We'll get this. Yes. Laura Bennett. Yes. Wilshire. Yes. Aaron Payton. Yes. Pat Collette. Yes. Charlie Brown. Yes. Nick Disney. Yes. Nicholas Redding is absent. Alpha Schnappy. Yes. Motion carried. Please Okay. I gotta be honest with you guys. Work is crazy right now. This may not get till to this weekend, so <laughs> I, somebody may need to remind me. Like, have you written that yet? So, <laughs> it's gonna be a rough week. <laughs> All right, that brings us up to, wait, does anybody have any more commission items? Because we skipped to the, the big one. It looks like you might. I do. I, 
<clears throat> I just wanted to remind everyone our bylaws do require that if you're absent, you need to notify the chair at least 24 hours in advance. And if you don't do that uh, four times, then it's considered involuntary resignation. If you are absent six times in a calendar year, that's also considered involuntary resignation, regardless of whether you notified the chair. That said, I'd, I'd like to know if um, Commissioner Redding, if his absences have hit the mark where he's considered involuntarily resigned. I don't know if we have the attendance records, but yeah, it just started know. in February. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It seems like what, he's real close to being. What number is that? But yeah, I did, and I was, did not know he was not going to be here this evening. So I'll follow up on with it. I like that to be, I mean, I'm not trying to come down on him, but if he can't make it, if it, for whatever reason, then we need to open up that position for someone else. So maybe we can get that clear by the next meeting. If he's with us or not, I appreciate it. I just have one quick thing is mm -hmm. that Damon and I sat in on the um, stakeholder input interview um, for uh, Transportation 2050 mm -hmm. um, two or three weeks ago. And so basically we, you know, the questions he asked were, were uh, the things that we talked about at our last meeting we brought up. Um, you know, emphasis on safety and equity, um, incorporate action steps identified in the in the new PED plan, invest at a higher level for bike PED projects to meet community expectations, uh, multimodal transportation more closely integrated with land use codes, um, more closely integrated with subdivision codes, greater emphasis on intersection design to promote safety, um, and examine resource allocation among the modes. So those were the kind of the, the high points of what we presented to him. Okay. Was it a two-way interview or just kind of you guys telling them what? Yeah, and he, he basically was asking questions and then and then follow-up questions. So we did okay. via Zoom. So. Um, what's the next step with T2050? I guess this is kind of the information gathering phase. Yeah, gonna... they've been doing, you know, they, they closed this, the survey and then they're doing these stakeholder interviews and I'm not sure where they're at with those. I, I got the sense that they were, um, you know, getting close to being completed with that, but then so information gathering to get ready to start, start a draft draft plan. So, okay. Sounds good. Thank you all for staying up to date with that. Any other commission items from up here? All right, move on to the calendar then. So it looks like next month is gonna be the pedestrian project plan review. Uh, yeah, so September, Wednesday, September 7th, so we're having it on a Wednesday with the Labor Day weekend there. Um, Crossing policy, um, the consultant that we are working with um, is planning to bring that first draft of that. Um, and so we've pinned that in for the study session. Okay. Uh, to get feedback on that. Um, and the pedestrian plan review on the regular meeting and uh, Sixth Street should use path plans as well. So, um, 
So we have for September at this time. Um, and uh, we were, I was thinking about the unmistakable identity brainstorm for October study session, plugging that in um, for October, but uh, don't have anything on there officially yet. <laughs> okay. Do we think the crossing policy could make sense as an agenda item? Is there going to be any feedback that's, I guess, requested from, from us? Or is it just like, here it is? Um, I'm assuming there are. Yeah, then you can you can provide feedback in the study session. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is just a draft, right? That yeah. Yep. Present Won't, yep. Won't be any recommendations. It'll just be. Yep. Great. Unless anybody else has any burning topics they wanted to cover for a study session. I think by October, we may have a better idea of what we want to talk about with CIP stuff. So there may be something there, like you were saying, like we can start in, like informing our next next moves. So yeah, we'll keep it open for now. And if we can't think of anything, let's do that. Um, the unmistakable identity brainstorming session. The wayfinding signs, yeah. if that gets approved, I'd love to know more about what staff's already got in mind. It'd be cool to bring in uh, explore Lawrence because I think they would like to be involved with that because it'll definitely help tourism infrastructure mm -hmm. and the chamber. And it goes well with unmistakable mm -hmm. identity. That's kind of their thing. <laughs> okay. Um, with engaging those other entities, do you need assistance reaching out to, I already forget her name, whoever runs Explore Lawrence and maybe somebody from the chamber? <laughs> Not at this time. Okay. No. I guess just let us know. All right. Well, it sounds good for calendar. Um, unless anybody has any other suggested additions, I think we're probably good for the next at least month. All right. And oh, the work plan. Should probably go over that. Yeah, just that's. I think it's just more for yeah, reference, right? Yeah, just attached right? Okay. Does anybody have anything else on calendar or that they want to do before we adjourn? All right, well, in that case, let's move on to item H, adjournment. All in favor of adjourning, can we do a show of hands? All right. That's unanimous, Christine, just in case. <laughs> we're facing in odd directions, so. Thank you, everybody, for a good meeting, and we'll see you next month on a Wednesday. Hopefully I can remember that.